I saw the thing coming out of the sky. It had a one long horn and one big eye. Like a Mr. Shaking in the city. It looks like a purple people eater to me. It was a one eyed, one horn flying purple people eater. Welcome, everybody, to the Cinemasters of the Universe podcast show. A little show with emphasis there. I did that last week, and I was not really sure if I liked that or not. I don't know if I'm still not quite sure if I like show. Well, I'm going to work on that some more. Hey, welcome back. It's the Halloween Spooktacular 2022 here. For your good folks at Cinemasters, or uh, one of your good Cinemasters, I'm just blathering all over the place. <laughs> Point is, it's Halloween time, and we're going to be talking about some Halloween movies here on the Cinemasters of the Universe for at least the next six weeks or so. So strap in, we're going to have a good time, and today we're going to talk about Nope, and I'm going to be doing that with my co-host to the north, Mr. Adam Peterson. Spooktacular. Spooktacular. <laughs> a lot of times I like to try and come in with a maybe like a quote or a reference from the movie that's like uh, sure. it'd be weird if I was just like, nope. <laughs> that would have been perfect, yeah. Nope. <laughs> Adam that was right again. My co host to the north, Adam Peterson. Nope. Okay, everybody, it was a good show. Thanks for it. tuning in. Thanks, for <laughs> that, thanks everybody. This is going to be a super easy one to edit. Thanks. I really appreciate it. No, but you know what? That kind of just it makes me think about this movie title. It, this It's a fun movie title, really. Um, Jordan Peele has this kind of just hipness to him. You know, he he on one hand, he could be just one of these dorky types. But on the other hand, like there's like an auteur, like genius, like I don't know. I don't want to say Hitchcockian necessarily because, I mean, he's only a couple movies into his career. But um, definitely on the early earlier parts of M. Night Shyamalan's career, probably the most recent filmmaker that you would compare Jordan Peele to. Yeah. But I was really, really excited for Nope, a movie that just came out recently, um, July 22nd this year 2022 um nope is a 130 minutes long uh rated r uh with a budget of 68 million grossed uh 123 million domestically uh including a 44 million dollar debut which is pretty good um 170 million worldwide so that's pretty good this movie is going to make its money from here on out though it's it's a video forever movie now because it's that that's how these movies are. Like if you can break even, just break even, you know, uh, on a on a horror movie in theaters, you're golden in video sales. Oh, they will I mean, always always sell. And when, when you think about, because I and we, I think we kind of talked. I think we touched on it a little bit last year. Uh, there's really, I mean, and in recent years, there's been kind of a, a divergence. Feels like in the horror genre because horror always kind of felt like, um, you know, it, it it was just meant to, you know, you go to the movies like we just want to scare you with something. Like the mm. people weren't really shooting to make like good movies or even movies with a theme or message. It was just kind of like, ah, we just want to scare you. 
or at least yeah. a lot of them were. And it was like, it feels like we've really moved towards where like real directors, real actors, like there's story, there's purpose. Like, okay, we're going to make good horror movies. And it's been I, nice that that's been more of a focus. I agree hundred percent. And I, I, I give full credit to a 24 as a, uh, as a, oh, yeah. a studio because right from the beginning, I believe Hereditary might have been their first movie, might have been their first release theatrically. But they're cranking them out. I mean, you know, they're they're coming out left and right. They're always, you know, thought-provoking. They're not, like you say, to your point, back in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, <clears throat> um, it was about getting a young cast and then killing them off uh, one by one. That that's sort of you're not supposed to f be challenged. You there's there's not like you ever go into one of those movies with any hope of there being a happy outcome <laughs> because you know the rules. There's going to be one final person left out of eight to twelve, usually female, and they typically will carry into the sequel, and then you know they go away well you know whether they die or just don't show up at all in the next movie but you know what i mean right yeah just a real a real straightforward formula for making horror pictures and they were always cheap and they always made money so that's why they just kept cranking out all the friday the 13th and all the nightmare on elm streets and you name it every every horror movie gets at least three flicks you know like there's a there's a franchise they they must write them with you know, a franchise in mind, even if it's just direct to video type stuff. Well, and even, even when you, you think about like the phenomenon that scream ended up being, it was just when, you know, Wes Craven had the foresight to kind of take, you know, the, the, the blueprint and the, the, that kind of tunnel vision that everybody had for horror, no matter, you know, what kind of movie you were making and just kind of back up a little bit and say, okay, here, you know, Scream exists because horror movies are so incredibly formulaic. And not that other genres aren't too, but it was just one of those things like, okay, even breaking down when Jamie Kennedy's going over, oh, here's the rules of a horror <laughs> movie. I was like, everybody could identify with it and it worked so well because like, oh yeah, this is how they are. And when things are that, that formulaic, it doesn't have to be good. It just has to follow the pattern. And it landed right at the perfect time, you know, mid mid to late nineties. Uh, the perfect audience built in, you, you know, just the oh, yeah. sarcastic, self aware, self referential, meta. You, the, the, that generation was really the, the first to do that. Now, it's being carried in for even further now by you know newer younger people. But that that really was near the beginning of I feel like that self referential sort of meta he uh horror <clears throat> and, and, and he kind of he kind of started tinkering with that with when he did new nightmare which was he did a, a really yeah. good reinvention of that franchise and it's like okay mm -hmm. by the like you're thinking I mean, right because robert england in that movie is really an actor who plays freddy yeah. but also nice. freddy's real <laughs> you, i mean you get because you when you go through that franchise and by the time you get to some of the the later installments you're like you know, the quality really does start kind of dropping off. You know, Freddy, I think, as a franchise, holds up pretty decently. But it's like, to get to that far in a franchise and have something that's that kind of fresh and inventive really did show how Wes Craven, uh, you know, I, which I feel like Wes Craven is kind of another one of those. 
Wes Craven and uh, John Carpenter are also kind of influential when you're talking Jordan Peele as far as, you know, what he wants to do with his characters, what he wants to do with his scares, what he wants to do with his message. So it, it, it's seeing how those those things and how those um, – because it would be – I mean, when you think about those, those guys, I mean, Wes Craven's and John Carpenter's, those are the guys that – have been able to go the distance they weren't just a one and done or even a couple installments in a franchise like those are hallmarks of the horror industry and so and those are two very different types of horror directors oh yeah um carpenter was more more grounded in realism i think yeah um yeah i mean obviously something about all of his movies make it hyper real not realistic but if you think of, I mean, Kurt Russell was just kind of always his hero. He was a, a lot of times. Sure, yeah. He was his go-to, you know, and he was perfect as an everyman. And I, I was just rewatching some John Carpenter movies because they are, you know, it. They're all good. Some reach really like greatness, and some are just, you know, not bad, but yeah, eh. <laughs> not not everything he does uh, like is like fantastic. vampires is kind of one of those movies it's like well yeah. it's got it's got uh, uh michael woods in it so right right off the bat something you got something going on right there and one of, it, on paper it sounds like a great idea <laughs> one of the things i think because uh john carpenter for me uh definitely translates to kind of the persona that it seems like jordan peele has he's I don't feel like Jordan Peele necessarily wants to define himself in the same kind of terms as like an M night uh, Shyamalan. Um, mm-hmm. I, which, I don't think he does either. I think, I think it's kind of, I mean, one of the things that I think is a little unfortunate because uh, I found even myself falling a victim to it somewhat after watching Nope is kind of that, that I feel like M night Shyamalan more purposely put himself in the box of wait for the, you know, what's the twist going to be. Um, yeah. Jordan Peele hasn't necessarily been the same in that respect, but um, one of the things uh, that I feel like Jordan Peele, where he kind of is on that John Carpenter level, when I think of like They Live, where there's a, a, a good and entertaining story that's happening that also happens to have like some, uh, you know, a message or a theme or some kind of social connection because i feel like that's mm-hmm. especially with the yeah. first two installments that's a very <clears throat> very much like john carpenter yeah there's yeah. a there's definitely a social message there's like a message happening here absolutely and that you you find that in a john carpenter movie but not a uh, west craven movie yes yeah. so i <clears throat> i think i think you're right too by the way about jordan peele i think his movies i think with him his signature may just be uh making a movie where things aren't quite what you think yeah so it's not necessarily, I mean, that is kind of like a twist, but with a twist, it needs to come out of left field or something crazy. Yeah. With him, he's not, he's not, you know, going way out of left field. He takes your preconceived expectations and just sort of, just sort of very expertly, very quietly, very, you know, without even really realizing it shifts the movie into another direction. If that makes sense. Well, and you I, know? I, yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, cause one of the things that I really like when I was reflect, especially, you know, leading up to when we're doing this, uh, just kind of reflecting on it. Like one of the things, cause I, I felt like initially, um, I was more, 
I'm not, I wasn't disappointed with Nope. Um, but I, I really had to kind of circle back around and I realized I was falling victim to, I think we, we've talked about a lot more with Marvel movies, you know, the first two Jordan Peele movies, you know, because mm-hmm. I really liked, I, I was, I was late to the get out party. And dude, part- get out was so good. I remember going to see that with no expectations and just yeah. walking out going, wow, that was the key and peel guy. Yeah. That was amazing. I friggin' was like on the edge of my seat the whole time. Sorry. Go ahead. No, that, that, that was, that was my whole thing is, and I think we've talked about it here before. I know we've talked about it offline. It's one of those that like get out blew up, like as soon as mm-hmm. it came out and I wasn't, it wasn't that I didn't want to see it. It was just when I was like, like when something gets that much initial attention, there are times where I just get like immediately turned off by it. Like I don't want to see it because it's what everybody's talking about. Like when Stranger Things came out and no one could shut up about it, I was like, I <laughs> like I don't even like I feel like I would have wanted to watch this show, but everybody's yeah. talking about it, so now like I I'm just turned off by the hype of it. And so maybe it. <clears throat> uh, sorry Some, sometimes no, i think that when there's something that's that well hyped or that successful it doesn't really need my help or attention yeah and i just assume i'm gonna see that sometime down the road i'm not i'm not in a huge hurry because like you say people are ruining it for you by talking about it everywhere so what's yeah, was, why rush to it? it and so it was one of those like it was i mean it was i think i ended up picking it up on blu-ray for like literally five dollars by the time i got around to seeing get out so it's like it had well gone beyond its initial you know all of all of the craze of it and i yeah. watched it and i did i did love it and i in the back of oh, my mind, and like, jordan peele won an oscar for screenplay yeah. for that so it was one of those like i in the back of my head it wasn't that i didn't want to appreciate or didn't think that i would enjoy it it was just it yeah. was that kind of initial re- resistance to it, but then it was like once I watched it, it was like this really is it because uh, I, I think part of it is like when there's that much hype, the expectation gets shifted towards like it has to be good. It's like if I don't like this, then I'm not a part of the phenomenon. Mm-hmm. I'm the odd man out, and it's not like I care about belonging to the the masses, but it's one of those I'm like it feels like there's more pressure to enjoy it, and I'm like. I want to come in and be able to watch <laughs> you're gonna this. Let, you're going to let your friends down somehow yeah, like, if you if didn't I don't love, love it. this movie. Everybody's like, what's wrong with you? When will they, know, will they not talk to me again? <laughs> How does and that so, work? So I'm like, okay. Oh, so you I'm, don't love Stranger Things? I'm starting to wonder why we're friends. <laughs> which, uh, for the record, I hated season one of Stranger Things. Absolutely hated it. Yeah. The only, yeah. Reason, the only reason I watched it is because everyone else was watching it. I do not... Uh, and I think I've been vocal about this in the past. I do not care for Matthew Modine at all. And he Are was you... easily what? ruining everything about it. <laughs> the only reason I came back in season two was Paul Reiser. I know oh, I know yeah. that we had, uh, um, what's his face? Uh, Mikey from the Goonies. Um, he was in there too. Sean Astin. Yeah, Sean Astin. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which he was, he was a good addition. Um, and I was happy right. to have him. I came right. back for Paul Reiser just so that. If this ever makes it to Paul Reiser's door, Paul Reiser is the reason I came back to Stranger Things because Paul Reiser is fantastic. Um, they, they don't use him a bunch, but they use him perfectly. Yeah, he's he's wonderful. Paul Reiser. Every time he's person. on screen, I'm always like, he lifted that scene. Oh, he's 
the, he's, now I'm refreshed and energized for the next part of the show. He is wonderful. Paul Reiser has always been wonderful. So this is by the way, the you're Paul, watching reboot on yes. Hulu. Wait, yeah, so yeah. Paul Reiser is amazing. He's so good in that. He's so wonderful. good in that. I cannot recommend that In fact, that everyone show is really good. It's, it's a, a good show. It's, it's one of the best new sitcom <laughs> kind of shows I think I've ever seen. It's very modern family-ish. Yeah. You can definitely see the DNA. People, this is the Modern Family Podcast. You've tuned yeah, in. Is, you thinking we were going to talk about Nope. You got nope. psyched out. You're like, oh, it's Another. October. They're going to be in scary movies. Like, no. This is Modern Family and all of its offshoots. It's another another uh, Ron and Adam prank. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> uh, but uh, when, after uh, going back to um, Get Out, like I was like, okay. So when Us came out, I was far happier to jump on that bandwagon early. I was like, okay, uh, good, I'm, good, I'm, good. I'm good with this. I'm and nope. I I I saw Nope on uh, September third because that was the three dollar yeah. movie day, and I hadn't seen it yet. It was one yeah. I was like, oh, I need, I need to go see this. So let me go see it in theaters. And I was happy because it was it was in a smaller theater, but it, the theater was still packed. Um, but I, after when when I was reflecting on it after the fact, I was like, you know what? I'm putting expectations on this movie based partially. I mean, they're they're not unfounded because Jordan Peele has done certain things with the first two movies, um, mm-hmm. so they're not completely unfounded. But at the same time, it's when I was like. I, you know, M. Night Shyamalan was happy to put himself in that box of, I'm going to put a twist in every movie. That's my, that's going to be yeah. my gimmick. It's going to be my thing. Yeah. He seemed to be fine with that. Yeah. He's still, still trying to do that. He's I mean, I've kind of not, yeah. I, I don't, I haven't watched a lot of his more recent stuff, but yeah, it, I, he, you know, good for him. That's his thing. Yeah. And people will always refer to him anytime someone has a movie with some sort of decent plot twist. They'll yeah. refer to they're like, oh, this is the next M. Night Shyamalan, I'm sure. Yeah. And so at the end of Nope, I was sitting there, I was like, I was trying, like, I found myself feeling like I'm trying to figure out, okay, not what's the twist, but like, what, mm-hmm. what's the message? What am I supposed to walk away from this with? Like, you know, like right. first, the first couple felt like they were, you know, and it wasn't that I didn't have some ideas. It wasn't like I was just like, I have no idea what he's trying to say here. It's like, right. it felt like I had more ideas than I needed. It was like, okay, does he mean this? Does he mean this? And then after the fact, you know, I was reading some things, doing some follow-up, and I was like, you know what? Because one of the the things I was reading was talking about, like, one of the points of the movie for Jordan Peele was just he wanted to make a monster movie. It wasn't necessarily that he wanted to put himself back in that box of there has to be a meaning to this. One of it was like, I just wanted to make a monster movie. I wanted to make a big summer monster movie just because that's a thing that people don't do anymore. Well, he wanted to make his Akira movie. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, you know what? You know, I, I I started to kind of turn it back on. I was like, okay, I feel like I'm putting some undue expectations on Jordan Peele for this movie that if I'm feeling let down by it's not because the <laughs> You're movie... really... I'd say, why are you doing this to Jordan Peele? But you're just hurting yourself, man. Yeah. I was like, okay, no, there were... I mean, there were... There were some interesting themes. There were some. There were some. As like it was because it was an enjoyable movie. At the end of it, it's like, okay, this wasn't like. And I'm really tired. Just as kind of a, if I can get on a soapbox for a half a second, I'm really tired of everybody. If they see a movie that they are not completely enthralled the entire time, saying it's the worst movie I've ever seen. 
Yeah. Because that's what everybody does. Like, oh, that was the worst movie ever. It's like, no. No, it's, it's not. It's weird. The the critic, like, Rotten Tomatoes has a score of 82%, which is g- really good. But the audience score is lower. It's 68%. And usually it's reversed. Yeah. Most of the time, the audience is far more lenient than critics. So I wonder if that's something that other people are feeling, too. Like you're that, putting that pressure well on be. yourself to make it a, a this big thing to equal or exceed Get Out, which everybody knows was a big successful thing. And it's always way more fun to be on that that the front of the wave as you're coming in. Yeah. Not 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 like trailing on the back part of the wave, sadly. Uh, well, but but the, with but with Jordan Peele, like this this movie for me. Well, I'm sorry. You 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 talk about your experience seeing. No, the no, no, no. Like, yeah, I didn't. The the only the only because, the, like I was saying, he, he didn't put himself in that same box as M Night Shyamalan. But the first yeah. two, the one thing I will say that was different from Nope uh, or about Nope from the first two was there was kind of, I mean, like you had that huge hook at the end with the the girlfriend, um, who was like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, she's totally in on this whole thing and so and then at the end of us you know because at the end of us i had already figured that one out um, yeah that it was okay it's the inverse because uh, it it was funny because it reminded me of one of the simpsons treehouse of horrors when they had the bart's evil twin was upstairs huh. in the attic and it was like wait i, I didn't care for us honestly uh i was let down by us so I th- there was a lot riding on Nope for me. Yeah. It, it, just in terms of well, well, as Jordan Peele was he really the guy that I was hoping he would be, or is he just sort of not? Just yeah. Good, but not not the great. I I loved Nope. I loved it. Just was really I. It just feels like a really well made movie. <laughs> I mean, just it almost it has a Spielberg feel to it. And I know that I'm not like comparing him to Spielberg or anything, but it his the and maybe it's part of that kind of valley. A lot of Spielberg movies kind of have that sort of you know setting backdrop, California yeah. sort of setting. Maybe part of it's that, but no. But also, it's just really beautiful. Every every scene is has a purpose. Every scene he doesn't he doesn't like waste a lot of time with his movie. And I said it's 130 minutes. That's a long movie. Oh yeah, for a scary movie, I think you you're risking burning out your audience because of all the ups and downs. Now there's some quiet scenes. There's a lot of quiet scenes, which is great for building, you know, attention. And he's really good at that too, in a different way than say, um, who's who's the other big uh, James Wan? Yeah, you know how you know how he has his tendencies and tells. I feel like we're still seeing what Jordan Peele can do. Like, I don't think he's necessarily showed us that same old thing. And I think that's awesome. I'm very excited about his career. I, I just love Nope. That was so good. Uh, it, this movie, this is written and directed by Jordan Peele, which is, uh, I mean, you, I, I can't get over the fact that this dude was famous, not just had a show, but was famous for uh, a Chappelle show style 
skit comedy show on Comedy Central. I mean, here yeah. now here's this like I I can't look at him like a director, but if you if you watch any of any of his interviews or just read anything he has to say, he's very director like. The guy just kind of talks like a director. Or or a dude that just sees things on another level and and is is trying to talk to other people who can't see like him and it just he just has this way about him and that's it's really exciting and I don't know how old he is necessarily I mean he's young but I don't know I just I have I have a lot of years hopefully to look forward to Jordan Peele uh movies and I prefer they to be horror movies I know he doesn't he, he probably doesn't want to put himself in that box because now basically three of his, his his first three movies have sort of horror leanings in them. You know, it's a, with us, it's more, I don't know. I would, yeah, I would say it's horror, I guess. I would go ahead and call it a horror movie. Well, I, that's uh, one of the things I was, um, I actually, it was something I saw on TikTok earlier today. Um, because people, it was, it was about, uh, I guess there was somebody who got on Twitter and was talking, was raving about uh, Jordan Peele. You know, being this, you know, he's a great horror director. You know, not only does he have three great horror movies, but they're three in a row. And no, yeah. you know, he was just going on and on and on, and to the to the point where people were 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 not necessarily. I mean, you know, you can always count on the internet to be you know, contrary about whatever whatever point you want to oh, make. Yeah. Somebody's willing to say no. Um, but there were a lot of people <laughs> that are coming out saying like, well, I mean, there are other major horror directors that have made oh, yeah. a number of good films and this absolutely guy, the guy was trying to kind of fight all these people off and jordan peele himself got involved in the conversation is like hey i appreciate all the fanfare and all of the uh uh all of your kind words about my movies but do don't say that john carpenter didn't have multiple Amazing yeah, I horror saw. <laughs> it's funny. I I saw that similar or the same Twitter exchange, where yeah, somebody was just very enthusiastic about Jordan Peele and was making that comparison. And I think that is kind of kind of cool that he just basically was like, "No, man." <laughs> well, and and thank you. <laughs> yeah, thanks. But, but like, no, no, don't don't do that. Because what it sparked go was, enjoy John Carpenter movies. They're great. Yeah, I was like, it doesn't have to be one or the other. That's what it's, I no think people fall victim to. That. It's like you can enjoy they a do. lot of different they things. Do. Um, I don't understand why. I've never done that. Yeah, but whatever. But the the one of the one of the things somebody the the guy on TikTok that I saw it was funny because he he wanted to, he wanted to rag on Jordan Peele, and it was it was funny to me because like I I appreciated the point he was trying to make. But I, yeah. I felt like it kind of backfired. Which was... Well, he was saying, like, you know, Jordan Peele isn't really a horror director. It's like when you look at Get Out, Get Out's a thriller. And Nope is, you know, eh, it's kind of a horror science fiction. And I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, you, you first of all, you're splitting hairs. Um, you really are. But on top of that, it's like... He worked at a video store. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> he knows there's all these <laughs> well, subgenres. It's one of those things. I'm like, okay, so what you're uh, really what you're doing is you're just giving him larger credit because it's like to say something. I mean, like if you're gonna say something can't be a horror science science fiction movie, then you're gonna take something like Event Horizon off the table. It's like, I, yeah. and I think you would get a lot of pushback on that. It's like that's a horror sci-fi <clears throat> movie. Um, Alien, oh, horror sci-fi, <laughs> right? So There's it's some like, horror. I think what you're finding I here. I think people get <coughs> hung up on like what is horror. 
Is it like watching somebody drive a knife into somebody's chest? Is that horror to you? Maybe this isn't horror, but well, and I mean, like it, it's horrific. Know, when, There's I mean, some horrific shit about, that you see in Nope. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, and when you think about, I was like, I mean, okay, it's. Uh, there's um i I, i've heard tons of people raving about the new uh Dahmer thing on netflix and it's a documentary or it's you know of sorts i mean it's it's fictionalized um but it's it's one of them like and and i've seen enough jeffrey Dahmer things where i'm like i know people are raving about oh you gotta see you gotta see you gotta see it it's like i i know that evan peters is probably doing a fantastic job i'm familiar with the material and familiar with the story it's like i don't know if i need to see another jeffrey Dahmer. i know i know yeah but it's it's like like, no matter how good it is yeah it's like i mean that's how how is the story of jeffrey Dahmer? it's like how many tributes to kobe bryant can i watch like they're all great i mean (laughs) it's it's i mean so it's like we're not really you know we're we're not getting new information it's 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 a great portrayal but it's like okay that you know i i watched Dahmer with uh um uh with hawkeye um jeremy renner oh and that one was I what mean, <laughs> i didn't know he was Dahmer. yeah it was back in like it was late 90s, how many how many 2000. mc how many of the avengers have played fucking uh jeffrey Dahmer? <laughs> like we're <laughs> gonna get everybody question <laughs> all right you've done how a marvel many movie avengers now <laughs> it's time for you to do your jeffrey Dahmer movie it's like what <laughs> this is in the contract you should have read it closer kid hey it's oh. boilerplate man you do yeah. your big you do your big superhero movie Jeffrey Dahmer Marvel movie yeah, yeah. then you do your Jeffrey Dahmer movie it's like yeah. oh wow I did not jeez man I, I I don't know if I like want to be an actor this is a little too much I gotta be Jeffrey Dahmer uh, I gotta play Ted Dahmer Bundy now. again really thanks uh, guys it's like any like every 10 years I gotta do like something Ted Bundy like whoa who's the who's a handsome young actor up and comer oh, okay they can play Ted Bundy now well, I'm like uh, with that, because I kind of want to be like, you know, we have other serial killers, guys. Okay, there are other. <laughs> Give another one a chance. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, they're all knows. great. They're I mean, you all got, killers. You got Dahmer, and yeah. you got John Wayne Gacy, and you got uh, BTK. I mean, you got the big, you got the Mount Rushmore guys of exactly. serial it's killers. It's like it's like the Stones, Beatles, fucking. You know, I mean, you always get those guys. Yeah, they're, they're always the top tier, top build people. Let's get into some deep cuts. Let's, you know, <laughs> let's get pun, let's pun. get past the uh, <laughs> the stuff you're going to hear on the radio. Let's get into some 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 of the other tracks on the album. Let's 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 let some of these other serial killers who've uh, paved their own way. And let's get them in the mix. Yeah, you you need like the the uh, uh, you know the alternative channel version for you yeah. to get like some of these other indie, some of these other lesser known serial killers. They're di- they're due, frankly, yeah. <laughs> they're owed due. Exactly. Back to nope. All right. Nope. So this movie, <laughs> nope. This movie uh, stars Daniel Kaluuya as OJ. I loved OJ, man. I, I just really loved the ease of the way he played this character. Yeah. It is the perfect um yin to Kiki Palmer's Emeralds Yang. Oh yeah. Cause she is so um animated and just enthusiastic. 
a very uh, just just a real hungry per like she comes in in her opening scene and it's just got this great pitch like you know they, they're doing like the safety before let, all right i don't want to get too ahead i don't get too ahead let's just go over the cast but yeah daniel kaluuya is oj uh who who was in and he's been on a lot of stuff but he was in get out so yep. that that is a return for uh, jordan peele uh you would also probably know him in black panther he's in that uh, and but he he recently actually won an Oscar for uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. So he, this um, Daniel Kaluuya like get to know this guy. He's he's an up and comer for sure. He's been he's been around for a minute, but now he's really hitting his stride. It seems Kiki Palmer. I just mentioned her. It plays um, his sister, his little sister. I take. I don't think they're twins. Uh, M Emerald. She. She made her debut in Medea's Family Reunion. She was in uh, Aquila and the Bee. She she's a bit of a she's a singer. She, uh, she's on Broadway. She's just a real like talented all around performer. But I'll I'll be honest. This is really my first time seeing her or recognizing her in anything. And I I instantly like you know a lot of times when I'll watch something on TV like a show or a movie. If I'm really enjoying a performance, I will pull out my phone and go to IMDb and be like, who is this person? Because I'm really enjoying their performance, and I'd like to see what else they're in. I'm sure you do the same. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, Kiki Palmer, she, she, so they're, they're basically the two main characters, brother and sister. Uh, then you have uh, Brandon Pareda. Pareda, I'm not exactly how to sure to pronounce his name, but he's Angel. He's, he's another big uh, actor in the movie. He, he's... I mean, he's kind of a young guy. I think this is really going to be the most recognizable thing from anybody that they've seen him in. So he 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 was like the techie guy, uh, Stephen Ewan, as Jupe. And I mean, come on, he was in The Walking Dead. <laughs> it's Glenn. It's Glenn from The Walking Dead. You see him, and you just can't help but go to Glenn. But he's he's in a lot of stuff, and I really enjoy him, especially in this movie. He he does like a monologue, a couple of different little monologue type things that he he's barely in the movie, but he does everything so well. Like he's really good in it. Uh, Michael Wincott as Antlers Holst, loved loved him in this movie. I love his voice. Dude's got an amazing yes. voice. Um, kind of reminds me of um, oh gosh who. Who's the guy who who played Bishop in Aliens and he's in, in a ton of movies is like a lot of times a bad guy, but uh he's got a real kind of deep voice too. You know what I'm talking about? Oh yes. Bishop and Aliens. Why well, can't I think of his name? Anyways, it doesn't matter. But just just great, great like smoked ten packs of cigarettes a day his whole entire life kind of voice. Oh yeah. Been, been acting since like the late 70s, early 80s. Uh, he played Ed Gein in the Hitchcock movie, by the the one, the more recent Hitchcock movie. Um, with Lance Hendrickson. Lance Hendrickson. Thank you. He He's also awesome. Usually not a famous actor necessarily, although you say his name, people would probably say, yeah, I know who that is. Um, but not a famous person, but every time he's in a movie, he always brings it. You know, he's always brings like whatever, whatever you, why ever you would hire a Lance Hendrickson, he always brings that <laughs> to the table. Well, and, and even like when, uh, at the opening of, of the episode playing the, uh, purple people leader song, like it was when, when he starts 
just going through the lyrics of that song. And the he just keeps the going, dude. I, I was like, he's like, he, it was, it was like, oh, he's gonna, is he gonna do the whole song? I think he's gonna do the whole song. <laughs> I was like, I was like, the, and like, it's, it's funny because it's like, it was a little bit awkward because it's like, yeah. Yeah. That's an the op- camera. Just- the camera even got bored with him. Like you, next thing you know, you see this sweeping shot ag- yeah. against trees, and he's still singing the song. He's still like the, going. The with camera's like, Bee "Fuck Leader. it." I don't know how long he's like, going to be. Let's just move on with the movie. It's sort of audio. Like, audio is going to catch up, guys. We're just going to go. You almost feel like was that in the script, or did he just decide to start? Just start narrating with. He's like, he's going to go full Shatner on Purple People Eater. <laughs> yeah. He went way more than Shatner. And, I went, mean, it was, it was, and like it worked. It was fu- like it was funny. It did. It worked. But at the same time, like the just the magic of his voice made it really appropriate <laughs> for some some like it just worked. And the thing about him is he's he's been in stuff, but with that voice, sometimes like an actor, you just they they have a career because of their voice. Like a uh, uh, like a like a uh, what's his name uh, Elliot? Um, oh, he's free. He was in Roadhouse. <laughs> By God, and <laughs> that should be all I have to say. You'd be like, oh, Roadhouse. Well, I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, and and fucking uh, uh, he he played Whistler in the Blade movies. And, oh uh, yeah, you know, um, that guy, <laughs> Chris Christopherson. He would, Chris. No, 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 and I'm not he thinking. Of, I'm thinking of the wrong guy. Okay, I'm thinking of the wrong guy. Okay, no, oh, who who play? Who's the dude? Like, okay, so the party, the big Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott. Thank you. Yeah, I love that. Love that guy's voice and mustache. The two of them together. Holy shit! What a what a team. That's like a Marvel team right there. He, Sam Elliott's mustache wait, and voice. He was one of the. I mean, like Nick Cage in the first Ghost Rider was not like. It was it was okay. It, it was, was okay. decent. It wasn't great, and it wasn't as bad as some people like to try and pretend it was. But Sam Elliott, in that like his limited role in that, I was yeah. like, okay, that was definitely like if you if you, like that pushes it, you know, props it up just enough. We're like, okay, yeah, that made it really <laughs> enjoyable. He came in in the ninth and saved the game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like okay, if we hadn't had Sam Elliott here, like we might have been looking at an L on this one. But uh, but we but just point is, like out. people recognize the name Sam Elliott uh, or Morgan Freeman or whatever. You, you can just know hear him by talking voice. before you see his face. When James you think Earl of him Jones. Like- yes, but but he he has had a long career, and but he he kind of plays bad guys in these like not necessarily B movies, but. He was in Alien Resurrection. He, the thing I remember him from, and I was like, I know this guy. I swear to God, I know he has a really similar voice to some very famous actors, but I feel like I know him. And I kept, I couldn't think about it. And of course, I pull up IMDb as I always do for everything, and boom, there he was. He was in that fucking Three Musketeers movie from '93, where he had like the eye patch and the long black hair. He was that guy. I'm 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 taking it you probably haven't seen that movie because you're not really agreeing. Like is, is that the one that Oliver Platt was in? Yeah, uh huh. And Kiefer Sutherland it's, and yeah, Martin. It's been Sheen. a minute since I've seen that one. It, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, it's very old. <laughs> but that's, I don't, but he was, was a much like, younger actor. I was but, ten but when that came out, and it did not. If, make if his... that doesn't ring a bell, maybe you'll remember him as 
the douchebag goon from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, the Kevin Costner Robin Hood. It's also he had like been a minute. Since <laughs> he seems to have a very like, like then let me then let me test you on an even older movie, Adam. <laughs> can you guys exclusively put me in movies that you know, that uh, feature sword play? Can I be in all yeah. of the sword play movies? He was in Mount of Monte Crisco. <laughs> oh yes, there that is. It's Not like, mouth uh, account. I need to be in movie adaptations of uh, uh, Alexander Dumas books or yeah. swords. I just needed anything with a sword was, that was written he, in the 1700s. He was lost. He was just, lost without his sword in this movie here in particular. He, just, he kept like flexing his fingers. <laughs> I, like, Can I, I need a, to grip something. This I, camera will have to be my, my sword. <laughs> I have a lot of input on, on the frock and the haircut. Those are yeah. two very important parts of the character of the swordplay. Oh, so, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. But rounding out the cast is Keith motherfucking David as Otis Senior. And if you don't know who Keith David is, you I don't care for you to stick around. Honestly, you can just leave. Yeah, you can probably just head out. <laughs> you can just see your way out of the show right now immediately. Because the thing, Keith David, John Carpenter movie. Yes, yes, but but most importantly. The 1990 comedy Minute Work, a comedy about two working class trash guys. <laughs> I mean, that movie oh, was fucking yes. awesome, and he ruled in that. Okay, but but even more impressively was the uh, something about Mary role, where he's the dad of Mary. And the scene where Ben Stiller zips his balls and dick <laughs> up. He's the guy who, who peeks his head in and is like, is it the Franks or the Beans? <laughs> oh, Keith but did. yeah, he also had a very long fist fight in a little movie uh, called They Live from 1988. Just uh, just a classic. Uh, I think the best that, fight scene, the best fist to fist fight scene. Maybe in all of cinematic history. Definitely in an alley, you know? Definitely in an alley. The best fist fight in an alley with Roddy Piper in any movie ever. Okay, for sure then, yes. Top two. (laughs) It's the top two. Mm. And I feel like Roddy Piper has fist fought a lot of guys. Maybe not on film, but his uh, fist fought a lot of guys in alleys. (laughs) Oh, countless, countless fights in alleys. But unfortunately... Uh, no movie, so I can't. I cannot recommend it in my. In my It'd be a great role. compilation, though. If you're like, "Hey, call now." It would for be. Only I wish Roddy was alive in the TikTok. Everyone's got a camera in their pocket. Oh my era. gosh! Oh, so many <laughs> alley fights. That guy in front of a camera anywhere he goes, amazing. Now that's what I call Roddy Piper Alley Fights Volume Eighteen. <laughs> Oh my god, I want that so bad. So that that's basically the cast. I mean, the whole movie is them. And yes. mo and then again, most of the most of the movie is just um OJ and Emerald and um Angel. Like that's that's kind of it's, the main yeah, three. It's a very small cast. It's a very small cast, which is great. Um so here here's the premise of the movie. First of all, the promotion of the movie makes it very obviously an alien movie. Yes. Um, all of the marketing posters, uh, teasers. Um, that's a flying saucer. 
this is going to be an alien movie. And I'm not saying it's not an alien movie, but the big twist of the movie is that this is not an alien ship. It's an actual animal or like living being all like with no, no little Martians inside of it. Just it's, it's an apex predator that for some reason is sitting over this little Valley in California somewhere. And he's it, it, that he's just in the movie now. He's just in exist. I don't know how he got here. It's, it, it really plays with the whole, all of the people who would get up, you know, it's kind of a cliche. Like they get abducted from a saucer thing and then they next thing you know they get they 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 wake up and they're wherever in this movie the animal or the alien i mean we can still call it an alien for all we know it's i mean i figure we've seen every species we're ever going to see at this point on earth unless it crumbs up from from the center of the earth which who knows maybe i saw godzilla versus king kong there's like an underworld down there i didn't know about yeah we could have came from the there used to show up yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so this thing shows up um, and kind of sucks people up in a way. But I don't know. Don't want to get too ahead. So the movie centers around mainly OJ and Emerald, and they are the um, kids of Otis Sr., who be- started this horse, ra- like horse training uh, business for the stars, like Hollywood. They're near Hollywood, they're Hollywood adjacent. The name of their business is Haywood Hollywood Horses, and that's what they're like, the horse handlers. Um, Keith David is barely in the movie, unfortunately. He, yes. he, um, he, he dies mysteriously, and the movie kind of picks up basically eight months later. Like, a very mysterious death happens in the movie. We know that it's an alien that's doing it, but all we see are objects falling from the sky and poor Otis takes a nickel to the cranium and is basically instantly killed. Um, but we still don't really know what happens and the line of crap that they even give the Haywoods, you know, like they, they what do they say that they, um, a prop plane or something. Oh weird. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, that didn't make sense to me. I'm like, no, that didn't make sense to me either. But what what the hell does make sense in that in that case? Um, but yeah, so he he began the business, very seemingly a very well respected business in Hollywood. If you need a horse, you call Haywood Hollywood Horses. The first scene we kind of get a, a feel for OJ and Emerald, kind of the, their dynamic, which again, he's he's kind of the stoic kind of man of a few words often grunts and we you know when he's communicating you know yes. he'll just be like mm-hmm. <laughs> he's just very very soft-spoken very understated and his sister on the other you know she's very upbeat and and excitable and so right away we know that his sister's late for something and he's very he's sort of standing next to this horse lucky in front of a green screen, very uncomfortable looking, you know, just miserable. And he's like looking down at the ground as all of these, uh, movie like maker, like, you know, these, these Hollywood types or, you know, director and like the production, the annoying, pro- uh, like assistant 
who's just kind of walking around, like telling him what to do. And the, of course you see antlers. He's there. He's sort of, the, oh, uh, yes. he's the, he's the cinematographer of the deal. And uh, he knows he has to go into this safety meeting thing. And he's, you can tell that he's doing this sort of rehearsed bit, but he's not really getting it right. Or he's, he's just, or he's not emphasizing anything at all. Like he should be He's just very much like, fuck you. I don't even want to be here, but he starts getting into it. And then his sister comes out and then she's got the whole, like, you can just tell like uh, he, he's, he's the hands and I'm the mouth. And as a team, we, we work. So she comes out, she's got the whole, like, spiel and i just i love the scene with her and i wanted to i was going to play an audio clip of it but i, I guess i can't i just really love the her her whole like just just the way she's delivering like the way she's acting i just really dug her i think she felt very realistic uh we like in our last show we were talking about clerks three and the level of acting that you're you know may, maybe yeah. i was just starved for like some good acting i don't know <laughs> <laughs> like god damn this is the best acting i've ever seen in my life <laughs> well and uh, the, it, in the in the scene um like it was it was interesting because it it feels like even though we're not privy to it <clears throat> kind of the context and especially some of the the other stuff as the movie progresses and you realize these two i mean they grew up on this farm with keith david as their dad Mm-hmm. who was kind of the amalgamation of both of them together. You know, like when you're hearing yeah. you know, you're hearing OJ start to give the spiel, it's like this is the this is the message his dad had given over and over and over. So it's like he'd heard it so many times, but was ill prepared and didn't ha- he doesn't have the persona that his dad did, clearly. It was it was so prepared. Yeah. Even even they were they were rehearsing or Kiki, or not Kiki, but uh, Emerald was basically saying the exact speech. And then yeah. he got to the great, great, and OJ's like, great, there's another great in there. I just love the way she kind of rolled with it. Yeah. It was she, great. And they're talking about the history of the jockey and how it ties back to them and their family. Very, yeah. very cool scene. So you're like, you could see, like, she has that showmanship, but oh, yeah. she doesn't. she doesn't have... Like where where she lacks uh, the the fortitude and the and the and the uh, familiarity with the work that goes into it. Like she can represent. Oh it. yeah, fortitude's the way. Like OJ, even in the in the face of danger, many times is like, well, I gotta be I gotta be at the farm in the morning because I got mouths to feed. Yeah, I got like, shit to do, man. <laughs> he's he's got the hard work down. She's got the showmanship down, because. Oh. What I really like about their dynamic is it seemed like it would be really easy for, especially for OJ to kind of resent her. And there's a couple times where like he, you know, he straight talks with her. It's like, you know, how kind of yeah. flaky she is. Yeah. But I, I really appreciate about their, the, the fact that their, their bond as siblings and their ties to this industry and this farm and this life that they both lived, even though they're two very different people, like they, they they're never really at odds. They always really care about and love each other. And that comes through. And I felt oh, like yeah. the two of them, the, their acting as like, e- even, I mean, like, I mean, one of, one of my favorite things that they do is 
is when they had um like their little their handshake where they're you know they're going as like oh yeah i mean it's just <laughs> i told you my boy was gonna roll up in here with a non-mechanical camera didn't i <laughs> let's and go they, and they like they they i mean it was it was so good because like I, I i kept expecting him or especially early on i expected him and the way they characterized the two of them was you know kind of a goofus and gallant to for there to be some level oh, of resentment nice but yeah. it was, but really, it's more like he understood his sister, and she understood her her brother. Yeah, and oh, they yeah. they accommodated for their shortcomings in wanting to be the amalgamation, of be who their dad was. And I like because he's Keith fucking David, and yeah. it takes two people to equal Keith David. It does two because d- two damn good people to equal Keith. David. <laughs> I mean, I, I'd love I'd love to see Daniel and Kiki in an alley fighting Roddy Piper. I, I mean, I feel like that would be an amazing fight. <laughs> that would be pretty amazing, too. That that might that might work. You know, I might be f- equally as entertaining. I feel like CGI. I feel like we could make that happen. I thought they were one of the more believable brother-sister yeah. um, like combinations on film that I can remember in some time. I don't oh, want to yeah. pull a, uh, like an example off the top of my head, but they, they really felt like brother and sister. And like you said, they... They felt the love. They could do the straight talk. They they allowed each other to be in their own lanes without judgment. And because, uh, you know, he never he never really says shit. You know, like there are definitely times, you know, like the one Angel's like unloading the equipment. And she's like, is this going to take more than an hour? And he's like, yeah, it's going to. And she's like, I'm out of here. Yeah. <laughs> and like OJ would say things like, well, you know, you, you can help me work. And you know, like, nah, I'm good. Oh. Yeah, it's like he always knows, like, she's not gonna help. <laughs> no, that wasn't really like an in- invitation to do something fun. He just really wants you to help him with chores. And when, you know, when more hands equals less work. <laughs> when she shows up with the horse with the the flags tied to it, he's like, I yeah. know exactly where you got that. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she had just enough time to drive down the road. <laughs> yeah. I know, I know where and you I got love that. It, I love it when Steven Ewan shows up and he's clearly very like in a passive aggressive. Like he's he's uh, trying he's... to like, hey, uh, oh, I see you got some sweet new horses. We we got something. We have some of those too. Want... And she very like smartly it. goes, where'd you get yours? Like at the same time. So he can't. Oh, it was such a good scene. Like, and she's like, waving. no, you can stay. You can stay over there. You're good. Uh and, and he's just, you know, uh, he, he's just sort of taking it, you know, yeah. <laughs> he's just taking it little jupe. Uh, but, but speaking of jupe, we really ought to back up real quick because there's a big, big, big part of the movie that we haven't even talked about yet. And that is this opening scene, um, the Gordy scene, Gordy's home, which was a sitcom in the 90s. Sort of your oh, mid, yeah. mid-90s sort of TGIF-style sitcom that he was on as a child actor. And the scene basically opens up with this eight, this chimp, not an ape, just a chimp, little cute little chimp you see him in movies all the time, um, with just bloodied hands, just a horrific scene. <laughs> and, oh. uh, you know, some something happens, and... I like I like when movies start like that. They just sort of give you this thing that you have to just look at. He doesn't move the camera. You're just forced to look at it and drink it in, absorb the horror, 
and then let your brain do all the heavy lifting, the movie doesn't even have to try because you're just instantly thinking like, what happened? How did that, what, oh my God, are they dead? You know, like your just brain just is cycling through all these crazy, like these thoughts. And that's how my brain was going. It's like, holy shit, like what the hell kind of thing? Like, how does this have anything to do with anything? And, you know, it's, so, but yeah, so Gordy, uh, Stephen Ewan was an actor, a cast member on this show where this this chimpanzee basically flipped out uh, during a taping of a show and killed or disfigured basically all of the cast except for Stephen Ewan. He he is he seemingly survives because the 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 uh, Gordy the uh, the chimp. I think at one point he finally just sort of calms down. And when he sees him, instead of murdering him, he just kind of gives him the, the, the fist pound thing. Yeah. And then before he has it, I mean, well, you never know. He, he might've reached out and then grabbed him and yanked him out of there. You never know. But before, before that he could do anything, before he could do anything, he gets shot down by, you know, the police animal trainer. I don't know what he's, he gets shot dead. And, a, and blood splatters across, basically, little jupe's <laughs> vision. So there's this horribly traumatic scene where this crazy thing, and it it's just a hell of a thing to watch because it's so eerie and so quiet. You know what I mean? It, it, it And there's that shoe that's sort of just standing straight up. Oh, yeah, the standing straight up one. In a very unnaturally... Um, it's like wow, this this is a really cool way to start the movie. Uh, uh, not a, not anything to do with aliens at all, but it's very interesting. And you're like, this better have a point. And it basically is the whole point of the whole movie, in that if you think you can take advantage of these dangerous animals uh, and exploit them for cash, thinking that you're somehow you know, not going to get viciously attacked because you have this bond, you know, then you're mistaken and you're, you're going to get hurt. You could possibly get killed or get others killed too. You know what I mean? That's kind of the whole story of this movie. Don't exploit animals, especially not these really dangerous, like the tiger people and uh, people who just home these dangerous animals. And I don't know if, uh, Jordan Peele hadn't, I don't know if you know this, but I don't know if Jordan Peele hadn't known about this story beforehand, but there was a real life incident where one of these um, Hollywood type uh, chimps killed a friend of the owner, had had this chimp since it was born, basically raised it herself, uh, treated it like a kid slept with the chimp it it slept with her um had a just a wonderful relationship never a problem and uh, just one day a friend of hers came over and it it killed her <laughs> it just freaked out and killed her just an insane it, it's like one of those like um urban legend kind of things yeah a lot of the stuff that happens in this movie feels sort of urban legend and I love it. And I love how Jordan Peele, if he has, maybe he has a thing where he can, he he kind of shows his Hollywood ties a little bit, kind of gives you a look behind the scenes or how things work, you know, for certain things. Um, if that makes sense, that that might be 
a thing that he is maybe known for because you do you get a lot of that behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so crazy way to start the movie. Gordy's, you know, it, it's smash cuts, and then so like the next part of the movie is so you see the OJ and Emerald not doing so good. Like they they kind of blow the job they were on. The horse uh, f- kind of freaks out. He's a little um, overwhelmed, and I guess OJ just doesn't have. He was letting people know, like, hey, man, watch out. Hey, you know, you should, so shouldn't stand back there. But he's not delivering the message in a way that these people understand. Like, he's yeah. not being forceful at all. And if you're not being forceful, then they're just going to walk on you. <laughs> and, you know, somebody almost got hurt, you know? Like, the the, the horse, like, saw its reflection or something. I'm not, not yeah. really quite sure what the horse saw, but... I guess just saw its own eyes or something <clears throat> and, and bucked and knocked like a plate from an assistant's hand or whatever. Anyways, needless to say, it, it didn't, it, it wasn't a vote of confidence for their abilities as horse handlers, <laughs> even though it, it really wasn't necessarily his fault. He just wasn't forceful enough with his messaging. So there, uh, that didn't go well. So we find out that, OJ, he he's basically doing the business alone. I feel like that's kind of how the movie is. Like, you know, M, she's kind of off doing her own thing, her own performances. Like, she's trying to be like in the one part of the movie. She's like, I'm an actor and I'm a singer and I'm a dancer, and you know, like she's got all these things that she does, just multi talented. And uh, you know, he he's kind of just like the guy who who's just picking things up and and continuing. And she. After six months, we know like six months later from his death, she she's sort of here now. You know, she's like, "What's going on? Are you are you selling the farm? <clears throat> Where's the horses?" And he's like, "Yeah, I've been selling these horses to Jupe and his show. Who talk about his whole deal? So like, they're neighbors. The 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 the, the Hollywood horses are neighbors to this, um, I guess like circus kind of thing." I'm not even sure how you would describe it. Just an experience. Like it I, I think what it is, so that the actor, the kid actor Steven Ewan, who's uh Jupe, he I guess he he had a string of other shows and he opened up kind of this low like rent kind of attraction based on one of his shows, maybe. <laughs> Jupiter's Claim, I think it's because that's the name of the place. Yeah, Jupiter's claim, but that I think that might. I noticed there was like a poster in one of the offices where it was like him and his, I guess, like his wife, his partner, whatever. I think they were in the show together, and may it might have been like, oh, you know, it was probably like an old westy kind of comedy show where they're like mining for gold or something stupid. So yeah, OJ is really just kind of trying to keep the lights turned on by selling these horses to. Steven Ewan's character who has this little show that he's put together, I think loosely based on maybe one of his old shows. Uh, and he's, he's, he's brought lucky along the same horse who didn't do so great at the commercial earlier. And he's decided, well, I got to sell another one of my horses and we don't know how many horses necessarily they've sold off, but you know, I'm figuring it's kind of been a lot just based on the, 
details of this star lasso experience show that they do which is just base the alien comes out and needs a horse yay everybody goes home <laughs> uh but that that seems to be the thing right like they he well, we'll we'll get to that part later i don't want to get ahead but he's there and and nobody knows about anything right now and um emerald's there too they're kind of there He's, of course, like trying to sell the horse. And, you know, I, that's when OM sees the, the framed photo or picture or, you know, or, or poster of Gordy's home, which. So it was if you to hear uh, Jupe tell the story, it seemed like it was a successful show that was just getting started into its basically second season. And this catastrophe happens. Obviously, they can't show anything else you know even if they had episodes in the can like they can't they just out of respect for the dead they just couldn't show anymore yeah uh, so that series kills several of the cast members <laughs> of the show it, it does tend to uh put a damper on things i know i know it's like the whole like jump on the shark you know and happy yes. days you know when the monkey kills the cast <laughs> that's when there that, were three more you know. seasons of fraser we never got <laughs> <coughs> So she sees the, uh, it's, oh, no, I remember what it was. It was a Mad Magazine cover. So it was in that great Mad Magazine-style art. Yes. And so she asks about, like, oh, shit. And that's when she kind of realizes, like, were you the little Asian boy from that show Gordy's Home? And indeed, he was. And he decides to kind of, you know, I think he gives them the tour also to deflect because OJ says something about (laughs) he wants to start maybe buying his horses back. Or at least talk about the possibility yeah. of down the road, maybe him buying his horses back because yeah, he wants yeah. his horses we back. Talk, we can talk about that. Yeah, maybe. yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, uh, right. So <clears throat> let me tell you about this show that I used to be on, and then we'll take our minds off of this thing you just brought up that's important to you. And yeah, yeah, we can totally do that. But first, let me tell you about this time that I watched a monkey murder everybody viciously in front of me. But it's one of those times when you know Stephen, you it's just him telling a story about what happens and you know so we have the image in our head already of the incident now we know that he is the little boy who lives and i mean he's just he's just sort of given the show version of of of, you know like he just kind of talks about the popularity of the show and how that happened and now it's like legendary because people i mean it's it seems again it's like one of those things like this kind of feels like urban legend like did this happen (laughs) But people are fascinated with it, obviously, because this crazy thing happened. And it happened in a time where you're not easily going to have streaming access to a thing like that. Yeah. So it's like, who has VHS tapes of a show that went basically one and a half seasons? I'm I'm estimating, right? Probably yeah. not many. Not many. So... It, it could be very interesting. And he's, you know, he's telling stories about like, oh, yeah, this couple paid me like a fat $10,000. Just let me t- t- stay the night here or something dumb. And he's telling the story and he goes into that whole SNL bit, which was just fun to watch him tell the story. Uh, because because M asked the question, oh, my God, what was that like? <laughs> you know, the very normal yeah. question. And he kind of coyly is like, well, did you ever see that episode of SNL where, you know, they parodied it, basically? 
which seems like a really poor taste thing to parody, <laughs> but you know, whatever. We're talking early 2000s SNL, apparently. And, uh, but he's telling this story about how huh, they had parodied it and he, uh, Rob, Lo- what is it, Rob Lowe that played him or something? And, you know, they're doing the whole thing and Chris Catan is playing the chimp and he's, he's just r- telling the story of this skit. But we immediately get to see more of the horrific scene play out right yeah you know he kind of he talks about that and he's kind of it's he's undercutting the horror a little bit by mentioning the snl the comedy the comedic part of the story and but really he you know you get more of the gordy scene and i mean it's crazy he it and you you also like i love the way he layers his movies as you're getting all of the logos for the production companies and stuff at the beginning of the movie, right? You're hearing what's happening moments before Gordy flips out and then you hear it, you just hear it, but you're watching all of this, all these logos and shit fly by. You're like, should I be paying attention to this? I guess it's important. They're playing it over the logos, (laughs) (laughs) but then you get, you get more of that from like another point of view and so you you kind of see him like wailing on his co-star, the girl with like he who was at the show later on with the dif- disfigured face. Oh He's yeah, just like wailing on this girl, and he you see him like bend over at one point and just like takes a bite. Like, and then the actor who plays the father comes out. He I guess he was hiding, or whatever, or maybe he felt like heroic in the moment, but. He immediately is outmatched. He's like, you know, Gordy, no, Gordy, no. (laughs) You're a cute little chimp. Don't kill me. But he, again, kind of sort of off camera is just like wailing on him and kills him. Like, you do not realize that these chimps can do such damage. (laughs) You know, they look, they don't, they're smaller than a human being, right? But I guess they just are more muscular and just they're more savage. Yeah, their strength is, is ridiculous. Yeah, so man, he's just making short work of these uh, cope these actors suddenly put in this position of defending their you know defending themselves from a from a, a, a you know chimp run amok, and then of course the part where he kind of comes over and does the you know fist bump. I love that they were like, oh yeah, first the world's first you know fist bump. That was us. That we did that. <laughs> yeah, did, like a it, painting or something. It <laughs> happened shortly before. Um this monkey was shot right in front of me. Like yeah. I, I watched him, I watched him brutally murder several people as I was yeah. hiding under table. And then the monkey comes over to me and I'm thinking, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to be next. He's like, no, no, just fist. Bump. Boom. Oh yeah. I watched the monkey's head explode from a gunshot. I was like, but the whole, yeah, my childhood the thing normal, that's very, very normal. I had a happy life, happy childhood. He's well, I got, adjusted. I got two, I got two Christmases every year. Yeah, um, he's a good, well-adjusted <laughs> kid. But what's nuts about the whole thing is he he did he he was very clearly traumatized by the the situation. Continued to be an actor, which you know is kind of nuts in a like anything of itself. We know that child actors don't typically grow up well-adjusted, but he seems like a pretty well-adjusted, nice dude. Honestly, like you, I for the most I part, I didn't yeah. want to see him. Yeah, I, I was invested in him. I. If anything, you kind of pity him, really. I mean, but here he is. He's he's running a business, doing more than me in that regard. He still has that taste for show business, but he's clearly on the outs. And he he's just sort of 
his family has just sort of become his circus. He's got his kids doing stuff for the show. Uh, and, and also torturing their neighbors, pulling pranks on them. I mean, they're working overtime, these guys. They're like crew members. They're, they're aliens yeah. in costumes. They're all over the place. And we have no idea how many there are. They never really <laughs> he just kind of starts mentioning by name and shit. And he says things like, remember those names? Oh, yeah. Like anybody is discovering talent. You know, if like, yeah. <laughs> like what, remember those names? Oh, remember those names. shit. Was that one of those like little alien kids out in the country? I they you know what? That guy said they might be he, he inferred there. They would be famous someday. And he was right. Things are going to start happening to them now. <laughs> um, but to to have seen that and then to be in the middle of um, about six months worth of shows of this alien eating a, a horse and him charging people admission. He's been doing it every week, it seemed, according to his story. Um, so like, how, how can he, I mean, one, a chimp's one thing, but aliens, I mean, how, how are you going to put yourself in that scenario again? And he couldn't know that it was an animal. He didn't know that he, he very clearly stated that he's like, well, you know, they, we haven't seen them yet. They haven't come down to, to introduce themselves. Of course the wife's like, Oh, they're giving us a real show today. Like panicking. Like what the hell's going on? Oh, that scene is nuts when we finally get there. <clears throat> so yeah, um, you get more of the Gordy story, and but more importantly, you kind of start at this point. You start to see uh, OJ and M start to bond a bit. You know, they're going back to the ranch. He's giving him shit about like whether or not he's going to sell the place. Um, they have that like little like fight that I thought was great, where uh, he was like, um, you know, you you need to you know if you you need to spend more time you know, working this and not your side hustle. And she's like, that ain't my side hustle. This is, <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to be an actress. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, and they, and they have the whole thing like, Hey, you know, let's go with that liquor cabinet. <laughs> I love that whole thing. So like, oh, I got some hobby weed <laughs> and you, you get to see like the warmer side of their relationship. You know, they're having some drinks, listening to some records talking about the crazy shit that's going on you know as far as like how their dad died um and i think it's right around this point you kind of get that whole uh, notion of what is what do you call a bad miracle i think right around there and I, i really that was really interesting like i've never thought about that really you know like what is what is the what is the antithesis of a miracle? Like, what do you call it? <laughs> um, but yeah, so, and that's when I think M notices that one of their horse's ghosts or ghost is kind of out and he shouldn't be. And, you know, like they, they stop. Well, you know, she doesn't stop drinking and playing records. She's still doing her thing, but he goes out to see what's going on. And then that's when the horse gets spooked and like runs away. And uh, you got that really kind of cool scene where, he sees or or he can hear through the echoes of the valley the show that's going on um from jupe at jupiter's claim he can kind of hear but in that part of the movie we just don't have the knowledge of what that show was 
So it feels very like unnerving, you know, just not like what are those voices coming from out of nowhere, out of the desert? So, you know, you know what I mean? There's like this tension building constantly and you're like, you still haven't seen the alien yet. It's coming. You're about to see it, but, and it, it's very, it, it's in that Jaws way where you just kind of see a silhouette of it through the clouds and a brief glimpse when it jumps from one cloud to another. And by the way, we know it like lives in a cloud apparently <laughs> yeah we just find um, that out yeah we just find that out well because they're watching video of it and they're doing like a time lapse and it's not moving and all the other clouds are it was kind of a cool scene so they see they get a glimpse of what we'll now just refer to the alien as jean jacket they see jean jacket for the first time and they're both like wow did you see that did you see that it's like yeah that we we gotta um we got to record this. <laughs> they get this like very like modern idea of like how you would handle a situation like this. It's not survive or um, we ought to get help or we got to do the right thing for humankind. It's like, how can we get rich? How, how can, can we, we profit? Capitalize off yeah. <laughs> yeah. How can we capitalize on this seemingly crazy thing? That's like a miracle <laughs> question mark. <laughs> Uh, but it, you know, that's exactly what they decided to do. They're like, well, let's go, um, let's, let's go up our game and, and some, and the cameras, we're going to go, we're going to, and we're going to surveil the skies and see if we can't get some shots of this, whatever it is. They still don't even know what it is. They kind of like, they, they, they kind I'm sure they think it's like a saucer, like a flying saucer. Cause you get like little glimpses of it, but it's not until a little bit later that OJ starts to suspect that it's something else. And, uh, yeah, that's when we meet Angel who's working at Fry's Electronics. And he really brings like this kind of fresh third person to, he, he's like, he's somewhere in the middle, I guess, of, the, of OJ and him. You know, he's not quite like either one of them. He's sort yeah. of the pessimistic kind of, you know, the guy who's on the internet a lot. Because, you know, OJ's never going to be on the internet unless he's buying horse feed, right? I mean, that's clearly the only time he opens up his web browser. Yeah, it's like, and, because up to this point, we kind of have this, we have sort of this, we have a spectrum. So we have kind of this, you know, we have two dimensions of what's going on. And he kind of brings this third dimension where it's like, okay, the story is starting to evolve. And so now the characters have different, you know, we, we've explored, you know, we've, we've got a, a good picture of this relationship between this brother and sister. And you add him to the mix. And and because I, I, I like that at first, he's just, it it's not necessarily implied that he's just kind of this one-off uh, uh, character. Like, okay, he's mm -hmm. the guy at Fry's. Um, yeah. Because they make him important enough in that interaction, but then, like, okay, he's in the cast for the rest of the movie. Like, he's in the rest of the mm -hmm. movie. So, right. okay, his contribution to what's going on here <clears throat> evolves and becomes more important as this progresses and gets bigger to all of them. Yeah. Yeah, and the reason he joins in the gang is because he's, you know, they're in there buying all this equipment, <clears throat> and Angel is like, man, this is some really, you know, are you going to install this yourself? And, you know, they were like, I guess, like, yeah, I guess we have to, right? Is it hard? He's like, yeah, it's real hard. And he kind of gives them the whole, like, well, I can come out and install it for you, and you're going to want to, you're going to want that. And they were right. <laughs> he was right. But I liked it. I liked it because, you know, first of all, he is a character who's 
just getting out of a painful relationship. So he's kind of got this bitterness to him a little bit. Yeah. But but you can tell he's he's definitely that guy who just gets walked on, right? He's definitely that nice guy. Yeah. Cuz constantly he's he's showing himself to be uh like, you know, righteous and true and does, you know, he seems to always be can, he, he's definitely not trying to capitalize on the situation. He's just there to be the help. And he's just also experiencing this crazy thing that's happening. <clears throat> but of course, when they're at Fry's, he's just seeing that other buying up all this equipment. So they're like, all right, yeah, you, you know, come on out and install it. And then they had this like little interesting conversation that I wanted to bring up about what their plan is. Like, all right, so, what we can do, because like it's funny how it just keeps getting bigger and bigger, like snowballs. She's like, okay, I know this website where if you can offer them evidence of an alien, they'll give you three thousand dollars. Ah, well, you know, like let's. Why are we gonna do that? Let's do our own thing. Let's create our own brand. <laughs> and then they they finally end up to the, like the Oprah idea. We want the Oprah you know? shot. We want the Oprah shot, and I really like that they kept referring to it as the Oprah shot. Like it's good, but it ain't Oprah. It ain't Oprah. <laughs> It ain't Oprah. I'm like, damn, that's really funny. I'm gonna have to use that for something. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna apply that it in my day to day life. It's like, man, this this hamburger is pretty good, but it ain't Oprah. It ain't Oprah. <laughs> it ain't Oprah. It's like, all right, I get you. <clears throat> so, Angel shows. Well, but yeah, they have that talk, and they're they're all they're totally on board. And at one point too, I like that. M was starting to doubt her plan, starting to doubt whether or not what they were doing was right. But then OJ is like quickly like, no, no, that was a good plan. And yeah. I'm, I'm here to exit. You know, we you're you're fine. You had a good plan. I like that. They're very supportive. It's like it's it's the kind of relationship you kind of idealize. They they they're they're kind of quick witted with each other. Yeah, but they love each other, like you said. And that was really cool. I just really dig that. Well, and, there's, and I could I could watch them all the time <laughs> there. It's, it's nice because. They're introduced in kind of these um, <clears throat> stationary kind of roles to where it's like, okay, he is he's the hardworking, sensible, quiet one. She's mm-hmm. the loud, big, you know, kind of flaky hungry one. for attention. She's yeah. hungry for attention. So it's like they you fit know? these they fit these sort of archetypes at first, but then the more they interact, they th- there is a fluidity to how their personalities kind of weave into the story to where, I mean, even at points where it's like, she starts to seem like the more sensible one and he's mm-hmm. really going hard on taking risks. He's, yeah. yeah. He's taking risks. So it's like, it does, it does get to be kind of interesting to see how the characters develop and evolve and change over the course of the story as other elements start to impact. Okay. You know, how, how am I going to interpret this? How am I going to change with that? And so it is, it's like, it's nice to see, okay, as, as the story progresses, you're not kind of, no one's pigeonholed into where they started from. Everybody kind of moves in this, these interesting directions that keep you involved in how they're going to do what they want to do. And I don't, I don't know if it was necessarily written this way, but I mean, you, it'd be interesting to think about in OJ's case, his character, he probably is more prone to take some risks because he knows that their ranch is struggling and they're on the downward slope, you know? Yeah. He's figuring like we could really use that money. So he's taking, he's taking more chances, which just makes him more of a real character. Like he's set up, 
he's he's dedicated he's very proud of his father and what he created like he was at one point he was like you know like our dad created an industry and that's real and you know what i mean like it was it was it was great i was very touched i really enjoyed the idea of this you know family of sm this small family of horse trainers who've kept it in the family and are just that's what they do even if like nobody really hardly needs horses anymore in movies like they used to well, they're, they're, that's not necessarily true. There's always need for horses in movies, it seems and like. It, and it's it's interesting, too, when you look at the fact that you have uh, Jupe, who was in, he was involved in the entertainment industry, and he was involved yep. in, in the same, so the, the both of them have experience with this same world, but they have it from two different perspectives. He was in it. Mm. And they're yeah. on the, you know, they were a she part of it. She wants to be in it. From and he's the trying to get back into it. Yeah. And he's like, well, and then it, how, like, when you, once you kind of have this, when you have the audience perspective that you know, okay, they're both interacting with this alien persona, this, whatever this thing is, they're mm -hmm. both interacting with it with similar intent. You have oh, OJ, yeah. and they, they want to, they want to capture the image, and Jupe yeah. is interacting with it. And so it's like right. you see where it's like, okay, he's used to being involved in the process, and they're used to being a part of the outside, how it's made. Oh, yeah. And so you have, it's like, okay, they want to capture the image. They want to capture the footage. Very they want interesting, to show uh, it to everybody. Very interesting idea. Like, yeah. <laughs> and he wants, because because that's that was one of the things that was just really interesting to me is like, okay, he's doing this show every day. And you'd think if there, I mean, like if, if he's really interacting well, every with Friday, aliens, every, or, Friday. Yeah, every Friday, but it's like yeah. over a, a period of time, you'd think even though it's this sideshow in the middle of nowhere, there's like, okay, exactly. There would have been some sort of like, okay, we were there and we saw it. And yeah, this alien thing came into, so it's like, there's two different perspectives on how this is, is going to be output, how it's going to be like, how they're going to gain from it. But it's, it's it's done through the lens that they're used to being a part of this quote unquote entertainment industry. Mm -hmm. they've, been, they've both been a part of it literally their whole lives. Yeah. So By they're the way, exploiting the it from like, two different perspectives. About, you're right. They really are. I wanted to back up cause I, I wanted to talk about a scene that I really liked about. Um, and, and it was, again, it was OJ and M just having a conversation uh, they were talking about the different horses that they trained. And uh, she she mentions that Jean Jacket was supposed to be her horse. That that was going to be her first horse to train. Yeah. But their dad got this big, important job on, she, she called it like a Western, but it ended up being like the Scorpion King, which comes in a little bit later in the movie too. Yeah. Uh, they needed horses for the Scorpion King. And OJ, who, you know, a guy like Keith David's character, Otis, is going to probably favor his son over his daughter. Um, I'm not saying he was, he neglected his daughter. I'd have never got that feel. He, that, it really felt like they were all like pretty close. Um, but, you know, again, he's, he, I think he's going to favor him. So he chose him to train Jean Jacket. And they kind of had that exchange where, the ICU sort of thing that they do again later in the movie in a different context. Yeah. And I like that. I like that they did that. It was really cool. Um, 
But again, it just kind of goes to like your point. Like they've been in this business. They they've had heartache around this business their whole life, and you, it is interesting that they would choose to try and record it uh, passively, and Jupe sees it as a co-star. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's built up this sort of set in the whole show, and he's uh, the co-star of this show, the ringmaster, and, um, you know, he's making a living, I guess. He's doing all right. I mean, I don't know, like, exactly how they're putting the messaging out there on a pretty low budget i assume and yeah <laughs> kind of in the middle of nowhere but you know he's getting people to come in so the, they're doing okay they're some kind of viral video thing like i guess their their kids are probably good with tiktok right that's how they get all their people out there the kids get on tiktok and a lot of those people were middle-aged people that were showing the shows so probably they're not on tiktok so probably shouldn't give him credit necessarily billboards is probably what they did they probably had like a set of two or three billboards on whatever off ramp they were on. And it was like, you know, come see Jupiter's claim starring, you know, Jupe, what's your face from that beloved nineties sitcom where the chimp killed the cat <laughs> and really small, really small text on the bottom. This is a lot. <clears throat> you just got to read that as you're passing by, but you know, couldn't you see that? Cause you, you see this crap like that when you're driving through the country. Oh yeah. You'd be like, you know, County's biggest firework stand, you know, three exits. <laughs> well, and clearly, I mean, like their location is clearly close enough to, you know, Hollywood esque area, so they're adjacent. It's, it because like it feels like, like when you stay at a Days Inn, or, you know, or something something like that. You're like, and there's that whole rack of like local attractions. And like, okay, yeah. dad's checking in, so we're looking. He's like, oh, they got a mini golf place. Oh, come see, you know. Oh, here's here's a buffet. And then it was like, oh, Jupiter's Land. It was like uh, just a brochure in there. They're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I saw a billboard for that when we were pulling a million town. percent. Yeah, a yeah. million percent. <laughs> yeah, they're they're in a, they're folded up in a brochure. I yeah. bet my life on it. <clears throat> um, so. Moving on up, talking about the whole thing with the dynamic of the, the new, the third wheel. I like how they didn't necessarily embrace him um, as a third member right away just because yeah. he was useful to them. They, you know, they, they paid him to do a job. He came out and he's sort of needling them for information. <laughs> You're like, wow, this is a lot of cameras and you, you seem to be pointing all the cameras up to the sky. And, um, you wouldn't be looking at aliens or anything now, which you know, like he's trying to get information from them, but they're not giving him anything. And in fact, you know, he's kind of, he's done this job and he's sort of doing the, he's back and, you know, he's sort of back and back to his, you know, doing that walk of shame back to his car. I don't even know what it was. It's like, uh, well, yeah, you're not, so you're not going to tell me, right? Oh, okay. Well, I understand. Well, if my supervisor calls, you make sure and you, you know, give me, okay, good. Read, yeah. Okay. Uh, you, are, you know, I could watch you guys. From the store, <laughs> if you like. <laughs> he just keeps going through the motions. And they're like, no, 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 we don't, we don't want that. And he's like, all right, and then he leaves. Uh, but he finally watches them anyway, and he, come, he, he becomes a valuable member of the team. You know, they, he informs Emil, Emerald that there's the, that damn uh, locust or whatever, the uh, uh, <laughs> praying mantis got in front yeah. of the camera. And, and so, like, they couldn't really see anything. 
And he, he, you know, he jumps on the thing is like, Hey, camera two's blocked. And she's like, thanks. Hey, you're not supposed to be watching us. <laughs> and he's just like, shut up. I'm helping. You know, he just really kind of forced his way in. Cause he shows up the next morning and he's like looking into the sky and he's like, Hmm, there it is. And they both look at him like, huh? And he just goes like, Oh, you don't know. <laughs> well, that cloud hasn't moved. And then he shows them the footage. And then they kind of start to realize, like, oh, okay, we're we're dealing with something here. That there's some, it's coming in that from that cloud. And and Emily Emerald saw it anyway. Like she kind of called it out to OJ, like it's in the cloud. And she was right. Uh, but you know they don't just they're kind of giving him a hard time, and he just sort of gradually ingratiates himself to the group, uh, almost to the point where they're just he's just like old fast friends with them. You know, they're kind of dependent on each other. They just met, really, but they're depending on each other a lot. And uh, this is the part of the movie. Th- this is when, so, like, I'm enjoying myself in the movie so far. I'm really happy with what I'm seeing so far. But at this point, when they kind of come together and there's a bit of, you know, it, it it's sort of like the whole paranormal activity where you had, you knew if it was at night, you're going to be tense all through the whole night sequence of the movie. But yeah. you just know that if you can make it to morning, things are going to be normal for a few minutes in the movie and not scary. Well, during the day when they're like setting up or troubleshooting, like you have those moments where they're just sort of talking to each other and having, you know, just normal conversation. They just happen to be trying to catch an, an alien on video. Um, but it reminded me of like something along the lines of a poltergeist or, um, Sin- was is it s- not sinister but uh what what's the other james wan insidious insidious where you have this small team of seemingly experts yeah uh teaming up to try and uh you know whatever it may be in, in poltergeist case they're trying to you know figure out why their house is haunted and their their little girls got sucked into the thing. It's all like, you know what I mean? There's that tight knit team and they're all yeah, in there's it together. A, there's a phenomenon that's impacting this group of people and they're yes. trying to figure out, okay, how are we going to be, you know, like we're coexisting neutrally right now, but there's this impending, yeah. like we're going to have a confrontation and how are we going to be prepared for that? Right. And I, I really enjoy those movies in part because of those. And of course, in uh, uh, Insidious, you had like uh, the the old woman who could who knew all of the ways to communicate with the dead. And you had her two kind of techie guys who were with yeah. her. They, they were there. They were their angel. But they'd seen the shit. They, they were they've been in the shit. So they're kind of have that sort of the thousand, the you know, like they just, they're not thrown necessarily by the first sign of some spooky thing. Yeah. They're like, okay, I've seen this shit before. You know what I mean? <laughs> like yeah. what a ghostbuster might do. They're like, oh my God, I've seen this species. This is nuts. We're not going to like this. Um, So I just, and that's where like the Spielbergian kind of stuff, the feel of it kind of like, there's clearly some lightheartedness and Peel is good at injecting the humor you know, they had plenty of it and get out with his friend, you know, yes. who, who was kind of trying to. Yeah, <laughs> there was a little bit in that. And I can't remember us too much, but I'm sure there probably was a little bit in there, too. Maybe not as much. Um, but but all of these like little scenes in between the feeding, basically all of the feeding scenes. 
uh, in this movie, like I said, it doesn't waste a breath. You know, like in between, we're having some like important flashbacks. Yeah. Where, you know, OJ sees it again and kind of begins to think like that doesn't move like a ship. And I know it's alien. And you got to think like you'd be having these conversations to yourself, too. Like, I can't believe what I'm seeing. But that's an alien ship. I'm pretty sure. But I don't think a ship should be able to move like that either. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you got these like eerie sounds because let's talk about let's talk about Jean Jacket for a minute, can we? Can we just oh, like, yeah. put a pin put a pin in the story and let's just talk about Jean Jacket directly? Uh, it's kind of like Bruce or Jaws from the movie Jaws. Like you 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 just want to see Jaws eventually, and they tease you and they tease you and they tease you and they're doing a great job scaring you. And then you see Jaws and he's all you'd hope to be. In a lot of these horror movies, these modern monster movies, they'll get they'll get the teasing part really good, but when you see the monster so many times, it's like, oh, well, I mean, you know, it's kind of gross, I guess, but I'm not, it's not what I built up in my head. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of it's, I think, because it rely, there's a lot of reliance on CG and stuff, and it's just really hard for the actors to get that kind of interaction with CG, and I, I would imagine, at least I've heard actors say that many times, like, it's really hard to, like, act against nothing. <laughs> yeah, or a tennis a ball. ball. Uh, the tennis ball, right? Uh, but but with Jean Jacket, well, first of all, he has a couple of forms. And I'm really, I, I want to do research on just the biology of the thing, right? Because when the movie starts at around the time of, of um, the Gordy's home, episode because that's i think that's how the movie actually starts but yeah you also get um us like while the title cards are rolling you 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 see basically essentially inside the alien it's like you're inside the alien you're seeing a piece of the alien you don't realize it at the time but every now and then we get these like little shots of of the inside of the thing and it's you know there there was um like curtains or something like drapes and you know like there's this yes it's very um, there's this long key. corridor it's very claustrophobic i remember you oh, talking yes. about how like you hated watching as, as above so below oh, that movie that i like the same thing yeah very claustrophobic and i was i was listening to jordan peele talk about how he the way he envisioned jean jacket from especially the scene when shit goes south for jupe and they do the very last starlight experience, basically. And the monster is irritated because of, I guess, the uh, the thing that em Emerald had taken the horses with the, the kite things. And it, it got in its, like, windpipe or whatever. And it yeah. was agitated. And it kind of fucked up the routine that he it and Jupe had been, in, apparently, to that point, enjoying. <laughs> yeah. And it just freaks out and, like, sucks everybody up. And you get that amazing shot. Like, one of the more uncomfortable scenes I've watched in, like, a horror movie or any kind of, you know, not like a phenomenon, kind of like a horror, like a monster, whatever. Very unsettling. You get that long, wide view of people flying up through this thing. So now yeah. you have a sense of the scale of the monster. Um you're obviously looking at it from the ground almost throughout the movie up in the sky and it's, it's getting bigger and smaller, but it's, it's also very quickly like a bird just kind of going in and out and like, how big is it? How big is it? And then you get this great shot 
with OJ and it's like chasing him from behind and he drops the, uh, you know, the flags and it's like, yeah. like freaks out. You get a real good shot of how big it is there, you know, cause it's like behind him and the, he's riding in the horse. Beautiful fucking shots. Like I know the, the movie cost 80 or 68 million worth every penny. Cause every shot of jean jacket looks so believable and good. But again, I I'm questioning like the biology of this thing. Cause again, it's huge. You see the people go through and then you get that real claustrophobic shot of people uh, screaming in terror. And it's it sounds like balloons rubbing together or some weird shit. Yeah. And they seem to be getting pulled up. And again, there's it's like a picture of a car wash or something. I don't like it for people who haven't seen it and you're trying to imagine what I'm talking about. It's like a car wash, like those things that kind of drape down. And yeah. they're just getting sucked up. And we're just... And because there's not like a character in the movie that comes along and is like, we, well, this is the monster that you're dealing with and this yeah. is what it can do. And you know what I mean? You don't have any, like this thing is completely foreign to all of us. We're in the same sh- boat as OJ and Emerald. We're in the same boat. We know as much as they do. So yeah, you start getting all these clues like, oh, well, all right. So it's, it's sucking them up. And I guess it's like keeping them in its, I don't know, like beard or some shit. You know, it keeps them there until it's ready to suck it, like, uh, you know, the meat up into its yeah. stomach or whatever. And then it digests them and then, like, it spits out, like, shit it can't digest. Um, but it people scream for minutes, you know? It's like flying and circling up above after it sucks them in. And you can just hear this very faint screaming of the people who have yet to be digested. And it's a horrific monster. Like the whole, the idea of it, it's like, again, the claustrophobic shit, people flying around, they, they don't know what's going on. They can't see anything. They, they probably have loved ones in there with them. You know, they're not all in yeah. there by themselves. Like all of them have like their kids with them or oh, very least a spouse or something. Um, it's horrifying. <laughs> like it, I, it bothers me at night when I think about it. It's so well done and so effective because he After- shows you, after the fact, especially especially because he has he has his co-star from the TV show. Yeah, she, she's got the veil, and you know she's disfigured yeah. and stuff. From it's like I don't know how like you don't know how many times they've interacted, what their relationship was after the show. No, you have no but idea. It's like <laughs> I, I'm just I was sitting there thinking about it after the fact at one point, and I was like, okay, so she was on the show with him. And she yeah. survives this monkey attack <laughs> to become yes. this disfigured person for the rest right. of her life. Just her whole life is ruined. She's a teenager. Yeah. The rest of her life is ruined. And he's like, yeah. hey, you want to come out to see this show that I do? It's going right. to be great. Come on out. Right. I was like, oh, Trust hey. Trust me, it'll show. change your life. <laughs> I was like, and then she gets sucked up into an alien. It's like, oh, wow. That is really just uh, bad luck. Gotta, By the way, I found it extra demeaning too that there was like a photo of her unfucked up face on her shirt. Yeah, like so that people knew who she used to be. Like, oh, this is. <laughs> it, I know that she's uh, terrifying to look at. That's what she yeah. used to look like. Okay, and so she was. She's so terrifying to look at. She was the scariest thing in any of the trailers. Oh my gosh! Yeah. <laughs> because well, because you get like, that when you see it in the trailer, like I don't know what connection this has to the movie. And no even idea. within the movie, it's like, not a lot. 
That's just a, still don't understand what the connection is. We're like, uh, we got a really disfigured lady because that's going to be hard for you to look at. Yeah, it's like, ah, oh, why would? But you you're do right. This? He mentions her. He mentions to, uh, to uh, Emerald and OJ that he's expecting a very special guest. Yeah. So yeah, she she. I'm assuming that at the very least, she's never seen this show before. Has no idea. He yeah. he probably is the type of person that would not explain what the show was because he wanted to wow her. Right. Yeah. If you had, if you're lording that sort of amazing thing, you know, maybe he's trying to reconcile their relationship and he figures, well, I couldn't even get her out here if I told her what it actually was. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to bring her out here under false pretenses of something. Right. And she gets horrifically sucked up into an alien. And I I like, I just, I'm like, it's one of those things like it doesn't say it anywhere in the movie, but in my mind, he's like, you know, after you survive the trauma of the monkey thing and you're disfigured yeah. and all this and that, it's like, I, it, is, it it almost feels like you would want to live the remainder of your life as a recluse. Like, yeah, I'm not going out a lot of places. You know, like, <laughs> no, as best not. I can, I'm going to have other people do stuff for me. So I'm not going but out. But that's to the not her, store. man. She had the custom veil made so she can go out in public so, and not freak everybody out. She wants to be out. She wants to mingle. And you know what? Good for well, her. That, that was like in my head, just and mostly just because it makes it more entertaining. I just, yeah. I picture her having lived a life as a recluse. She's like, you know what? I got this invitation from him. I'm gonna just I'm agoraphobic. Gonna, I'm gonna leave the house and go to this show. You know, what? I've I've been like this for far too long. This is the thing that gets me out of the house. I'm gonna go to this show that he's in. And this, like, this is my reintroduction to society. Oh, I've been sucked up into an alien and I'm being eaten. I was like, oh, I should never have left. I should <laughs> I, have stayed you know what? at home. I hate to admit it, Adam, but that does sound way better. <laughs> it's I'm like, I just, I couldn't help but picture that way because it's just like, all right, I'm going to leave the house. And then something horrible. That's how well written these characters are, though. Like, even if they don't have much of a line, like. Everything is so tight. The story is so tight. You already know this character. And yes, she absolutely would have been a recluse her entire life yeah. after the events of that. She has she just finally stopped like pissing and shitting herself. You know, it's like all right. involuntarily. <laughs> she's she's taking a big step out, you know? She's gonna go see I'm her old going friend. Back out there, guys. Yeah. Right probably the was her of an probably alien. was a movie itself. You know, was this like real uplifting, like, you know, t- like gal pal comedy movie or something <laughs> just like have fun and- have fun in your adventure we're so proud of you <laughs> <laughs> yeah so they all digested. so yeah but more about jean jacket so yeah he he very he's very agile moving around in and out of clouds uh well i say he i don't know it's whatever it's pronoun is and it it it's you see it you start to see the mouth, right? You kind of start to see that it looks almost like yeah. a little stingray. Um, I remember watching it a second time, trying to pay just more attention to Jean Jacket's anatomy or just appearance. Like, how much do they really ever try to fool you into thinking like it's metallic? But they don't. In fact, there are scenes where like it, you can kind of see ripples in it, like almost like it's yeah. nylon or something, you know? And when it un when it finally like unfolds at the end and it's it's really quite beautiful <laughs> you know it looks like this angel thing floating right it it, yeah. it sort of inverts its 
body. And I guess that's like what it's true. Like if you think about an armadillo it looks like a little ball until it's like comfortable, then it pops out of its ball and it's like a little dog with a hard shell running around. Right. And then it gets freaked out and it's like back into an armadillo ball. I figure that's kind of like this, the jean jacket, jean jacket. It's in it when it's in hunting and it's in its predator mode. It's this sleek, you know, flying saucer looking thing. But when it's less threatened, maybe it sort of unpeels out of its little cocoon. And now it, it looks it almost looks like it's underwater the way it moves. Yeah, it had a very octopus, um, octopus kind of feel to me, just as far as like, you know, when 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 you the, the body of an octopus, like it can be nice and sleek and move through the water very quickly with this this very minimalist. But like it can like billow itself out with the, the connective parts in between the tentacles into these, you know, almost like a hot air balloon kind of thing to where it's like, okay, there's two very distinct forms of this this entity here. And it's it's very interesting to see how, you know, how it's utilizing that, that capability to, in between being kind of this, you know, because it's existed here, in kind of this homeostasis for mm-hmm. clearly for months. So it's like this at routine, least, at least yeah, we don't routine. know where it comes from. The movie doesn't try yeah. to explain any of that to you and good, good. Cause why bother trying, you know, <laughs> it's here. It's like the Spider-Man movie when they brought in the new, like the, you know, uh, homecoming. Yeah. They're like, no, no, we don't need to do uncle Ben anymore. We don't need to do that. He's just yeah, Spider-Man. I, it's, now. Yeah. It's nice that they're like, <laughs> No, no, no. We're, we're, the the point of this is not exposition. The point is not trying to figure out what it is, where it comes from, and even even when they do, you know, kind of acknowledge that because you know OJ kind of has that one speech that he does where he's like, no, no, no. He's kind of explaining his interpretation is like, no, I think I understand this thing. I think I yeah. kinda, like I don't know what it is. I don't have a name. Don't have a you know a scientific label for it. Was like I in understanding kind of this universal language between you know his human self and this thing as a as a foreign entity in the same way it's like okay i know what a horse is and i can interact with a horse because of a universal language that i have with this horse in that same way i can translate a similar kind of understanding to whatever this thing is i mean it was a theory right and it was the only theory they had and it seemed to make sense and it did it 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 saved it his life a number of times. And he, he, inf- he was, I mean, he, in fact, he was just moving around the thing really without harm. Cause he was starting to understand, you know, just don't look up. He put the blinders on the horse. So the horse can't look it. Yeah. And, you know, became very confident and a little reckless, but I mean, he did what he had to do. Like the one time he had to save his sister. I mean, he had to pull it away so that the bike and that that's another thing too like i love how they so they give you the rules it's like okay we're not going to tell you anything about like it but we we're figuring stuff out like this takes out your electronics um it seems like it seems that after it feeds you don't worry about it like it goes away for a little while um and you can provoke it and like they're learning like the rules as they go like it doesn't like it seems to have like you know like it doesn't like strings like we figured that out now yeah you know? <laughs> well I love it, how they would play that to their advantage too and it gave it gave it was it was nice because it works it works within the story that we get 
because we did we did have just enough of an understanding of what it was we could yeah. see it enough because that was like because that was what uh, one of my it's it's been i mean i i don't think i ever revisited because i think i watched cloverfield once and then i was good with it um but like yeah. one of my one of my beefs with cloverfield i remember even from all the way back when i saw it, i was like it feels like you know you i don't need a lot more because I, I like you know, I think your Jaws comparison is, is great because, like, okay, you see Jaws in just the right ways, in just the right times when you're supposed to. Like, right. you get a reveal, you get to see them in, in different capacities, and it works. It's, like, too much, and it hurts the story too little, and you're like, I don't I, I don't really identify with whatever it is that we we're pursuing here. So right. I thought he did a really good job. And when like, you do finally see it, our brains can process a shark. Yeah. And and we but we, it's a humongous shark. <laughs> yeah, oh, and and we've been given like all of those little pieces that kind of define what it is within the parameters right. of the story. You know, because right. I, I thought there was a really and they do that with this movie. Like you yeah. see, like little bits and pieces. They again, it's not a wasted scene. No, sh- if something is shown, it means something, and I like. And that. it worked. It worked really well with that final act with all of the wacky waving inflatable water flailing tube men because you you have now you have this okay i don't see it but i see it mm-hmm. like I, i'm i can follow what it's doing i can you know and, and it was nice because like it, it, i i feel like it seems like a very intentional part on jordan peel's uh process is like okay the in I don't have to continue with you to see the 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 monster visually because you'll see the you'll see the even when you're looking through the binoculars or the cameras or whatever, and you see mm. the wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube, and they start to deflate, you, you know it's there, and <laughs> yeah. that's an, in your mind. I, I was very, enough. it was a very clever, yes. realistic way to deal with that. You know, it was really, I really liked that part. It reminded me of like an A team plan. It's like, what do we have at our disposal? We're gonna put it together in a like we know we don't have a lot of time to to do this. Not a lot of money. Just yeah. take what we have. And they, they had at their fingertips, thanks, thankfully, to Jupiter's claim. You know, like, they did borrow a few things from them, but... Yeah, um, like, oh, these dead people aren't... But it was a smart way, because they realize, like, if, if it's near, the thing goes down. And that's how they know. Again, they figured out that it didn't like the string. So, like, you know, and he knew that it was getting close. He reaches into the back and, like, drops it out. Like, he saved it for that yep. moment when he absolutely needed it. And it was awesome, man. I, I just... Every every moment you get with Jean Jacket really plays and counts, and then I just I'm blown away that when you finally have the confrontation with him, you know it changes form completely. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, anyways, so I wanted to talk about Jean Jacket, but we can get back to like just what's happening in the movie. Um. They have another night with it, much scarier night. Uh, Jean Jacket basically spews blood on the house. Like I love the whole imagery of the house. Yeah. It, it's very like Opposed. psycho that house, you know, it's out in the middle of nowhere. It's this, it's this really awesome old house and uh, it's now covered in blood <laughs> and, and they're on the inside and they're not really sure what's going on. All they can really hear is all the screaming and shit from, uh, you know, that, that I, I guess it pulled in a horse at that moment. No, no, it had all the people from, yeah. uh, from the show. Yeah. So it was, it had a full stomach, but it, it would still go for like more if it saw it. It was really 
crazy how like if it is an animal, it's gonna it's just it's not gonna turn food down if it sees it. It's gonna go for it. But um because um they get through and I guess like they just start to realize like we need we need another person on the team and why not get that real charismatic dude from the commercial? Let's get Antlers Holst, who you get the feeling is sort of one of these guys who is like a, a Herzog. What was his name? Werner um, Herzog. Werner Herzog. Yeah. Fame, like very revered and, and, and famous for what he is. But he's not. Well, he says, like, I do the one for me and then I do one for myself. Yeah. You know, like that whole thing. It's just like Matt Damon and Ben Affleck said in, in uh, Jane Silent Bob. You yeah. know, <laughs> do one for you, you do one for them. Very true, apparently. Everyone agrees. Um, but they were like, we need it. We need like somebody to film this thing, but we need, uh, we need a camera that can film while. Basically, it's doing EMPs on people. And I love, too, it's like it goes back to the whole alien abduction lore of, of uh, well, no, I want to say movies, but just people where they're like, well, I'll be in my truck and then my truck will stall. And yeah. then I see the bright light and it sucks me up. There, he keeps that framework a little bit to make you think or make me think at least a, just some that this is the thing that's been abducting all these people all this time. It doesn't make sense because some of them return, but I mean, you don't know. Maybe, maybe just spat them out. Didn't mean to. Who knows? Well, I don't. I don't. The little men. I don't know where that comes from. But the mind plays tricks on you and does things to your <laughs> like. To well, tell and you, like that's okay. You experience this awful thing, so I'm gonna make up little green men so that your brain can process it easier. I guess. <laughs> there, there is a there is a part of it where, <clears throat> you know. And he, uh, they don't spend a lot of time in the movie, and I think he does so intentionally. But at the same time, I think he's also sort of intentional in the fact, it's like, okay, um, in the in the time span that we have, okay, if he's been going at this for for months, and if I mean, the, this thing could be going off and and doing its own, you know, hunting somewhere else. But the the mm, whole thing is yeah. they're in kind of this desolate place as is. And so it feels like this thing. Well, been- yeah, because even that one TMZ guy came out and he was like, "Yeah, you can't even see this place on Google Maps, you know." Yeah. <laughs> so it's like you, you you have a desolate location, you have this this alien entity that's here, and if you know, and, and again within the framework, it's like okay, if if Jupiter's having this show once a week on Fridays and he's feeding it to horse. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's because this, you know, just logically because this homeostasis has been uh, okay for as long as it has been, that he's right. kind of the only one that's interacting with it, and to a degree, kind of the only one that's feeding it. It's like it, there's right. the possibility that it could be getting food from somewhere else, but it seems unlikely just given the the location of everything. So, like, okay, it's it's existing right now in an okay state. It's not upsetting anything. It's not doing anything different by eating a horse once a week. So the so are you saying that by upsetting Jean Jacket with the the kite string, then they they actually killed all those people at the ranch because it upset the there's, the routine. <laughs> there's well, there's, kind, they, there's if kind that of hadn't an happened. 
that there is you're right there that is. okay whatever this routine was um it was upset by this and yep. clearly because of its response you know because th- i mean they were generally kind of unaware of this thing until very recent but but the interesting part is when you go back to the beginning and you see how keith david is killed by you know by this the what it's spitting out Mm-hmm. That that was the part where it was like, okay, when it spews all that stuff in the house, then the, the connective tissue there is, okay, well, that's what clearly happened to Keith David. Or, yeah, Which when, also when he- makes me wonder, the, though those were like things that like a human being would have on them. Yeah, Jean exactly. Jacket was eating human beings even before the big one at the end when it, exactly. when it took in everybody. So it's like so okay, it, so he can't just be feeding it the horse. The horse just lures it out. Is Jupe knowingly sacrificing his guests? That's no, because then that would be bad business. That would well. Make that's sense. that's where there's that's where the uh, some some of the because it's, it's all unknown. It's all conjecture, and that's that's uh, right. you know that's one of the things that I like about the open endedness of this that he doesn't just yeah. is like. It, Jordan Peele doesn't just kind of pigeonhole you into hey, here's the point I'm trying to make. I feel like there's there are several different angles by which you can kind of interpret what he's going at here. But I was like, yeah, the, it just what the elements that were given, because that's one of those things, what, you know, when I watch movies, especially things you're, you know, if you're trying and, and he's not necessarily here, but like when you're trying to figure things out, the things that a movie shows you intentionally, because like I was focused on that shoe, the standing up shoe for the longest time. Cause yeah. like, this oh, yeah. seems significant and I don't know why. And it never so really is. I was explained. reading online that some people theorize that that's why you lived is that he was focused on the shoe. That's not was, looking at Gordy at the in the eye directly. He, yeah, uh, that would. That's interesting. Yeah, because that that fits in with the other themes of like, OK, if and you the shoe, just don't the look shoe at is it. the miracle. Like, so Gordy, Gordy yeah. murdering the family is the bad miracle. But the shoe is the miracle within that saves him and then he throw he ends up throwing it away anyway because he doesn't learn his lesson <laughs> he just well, does he has that shoe in his little museum he does he has it as a, as a collects like a and he has it in that same position where it's standing up yes and so it was, yes. it's just it was because it, it was interesting it, it was like, he it, must feel like that shoe may have saved his life i don't yeah. know maybe i don't know well it, i think it definitely fits especially you know there's um because there's this knowing theme. that OJ came up with that theory and made it clear to us and his sister that that seems to be a good working theory makes it make more sense. Yeah, and if OJ hadn't given us that information, then it would have made no sense. Well, because when you when you because it ate, I mean, it ate the, everybody. So it's like even if this thing was kind of one off, picking people off here and there, you know, tra- people driving by, whatever it was. If it was, I'm thinking still, maybe that's what it was. If it was still feeding off of people here or there. I was like, yeah. okay, that 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 would make some some degree of sense. Um, I was like, if this thing ate a whole, you know, I mean, and not like there were thousands of people there. It was like, okay, no, there were. I mean, if if you if you there were dozens of people easily. <laughs> if you look at the people as meat, the, yeah, uh, there are two. It's very, not a lot of meat. They're they're very, <laughs> but they're very different. It's like if the meal for this for Jean Jacket is normally a horse on Friday. And he right. ate a whole amphitheater full of people. That's yeah. a uh, he, he he, you know, and clearly evidenced by the fact that he barfs all this stuff on the house. It's right. it's very, um, it's and it's very intentional too. 
It's like there's he's in, in the things that Jean Jacket can do. It's now acknowledging, you know, it's like he's had this relationship with Jupe in in, in a distant sort of fashion. Like there's a mutualish sort of respect. Uh, I guess is the. I wonder thing. if Jean Jacket even realized that it's he sucked up Jupe in that last. He, he, yeah. You but you wonder, you know, in 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 what it in in the way that this this because there there is a part of it too. One of the things that I think is 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 interesting is um, this entity, Jean Jacket. It um, because one of the things that that I, I like about the whole movie is it feels like it kind of plays with perspectives. Um, mm-hmm. in, in the fact that like because uh, I love I love the line um, from Jurassic World. Um, uh, fallen kingdom where dr henry Wu he says to <clears throat> the the one guy the bad guy he says um when he's talking about the 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 dinosaurs or no no it's, it's in the first one i'm sorry it's in the first jurassic world where he's talking to uh the guy who runs the the park and he's saying mm-hmm. um you know monster is a relative term uh mm-hmm. to a canary a cat is a monster we're just used to being the cat yeah you know so it's like it, it's a good it's a good line about perspective yeah sure. so you you have this monster but at the same time it's like it behaves very erratically almost like it's it's clearly the big fish in this little pond but it's yeah. funny because to these guys it's like because of its size and its ability it's clearly the monster they're the canary in, in this analogy but it's one of those things like exactly. because we don't have a comparison for jean jacket to anything else like it it could very mm-hmm. easily be the runt of its kind it's just oh here. right <laughs> and yeah. so it's like the that perspective is just interesting because it's like once it sucks up all those people and it eats them it, it's clearly more than it you know more than it needs to eat and it was like because you could still hear the people as it's digesting them oh and yeah spits even all the horse up. like when it got the horse and you can oh, hear yeah. like the but then then <laughs> as it circles them to uh to go and purposefully just like spew all this stuff on top of their house. That felt like a deliberate thing, didn't it? Yeah. yeah it was very yeah. intentional. And so it's like, okay, it's, it now has a very different interactive relationship. It's acknowledging them and it's like, it knows. Okay. So yeah, we're, we're communicating, but in a, in a way where it's like, it's not direct, it's this indirect, but it's like, there's okay. It knows about us and, and we know about it, but yep, not a lot. Yeah, it's like almost like it knows that its nest has been discovered. <laughs> yeah, um, but I, it 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 begs so many questions. But and I I'd love to have them answered. But then again, I don't want them answered. Yeah, officially because then it kind of takes away from the fun of it's the, okay of that the conjecture not. and the speculating. And I like that he he does let he trusts the movie viewer to bring knowledge with them, and he trusts that you know he doesn't i mean he's just not over he's not pumping you full of all the things you need to know like i i hate it i hate watching a movie when they literally do a fucking flashback in the movie yeah you know just so that like the audience remembers that's basically the like, only hey, that reason why this is why it was important. yeah 
it was important, actually. You should have paid attention, but we'll show you again, so don't worry about it. Yeah, it's okay. I don't like that. I don't yeah. like that. To me, instantly, I'm like, this movie fucking sucks, because they got to remind me. So much shit happens to make me forget about something else. Like, they got to fucking remind me of something else that happened. None of that's needed here, because, like, they don't. They just tell you, like, they, they, they approach it from, like, an animal. Like, especially, like, when he starts to learn it. He, he slowly comes around to it. And I like how he would mention it, like, out of nowhere. Like, they would be eating. And, you know, they're having these little interactions in between encounters. And I cherish those. Like, you know, like, they'll be, <laughs> they're in a restaurant, like a fast food place yeah. one day. And another time, they're crashing at Angel's. And they're, like, playing VR and smoking weed. <laughs> they're yeah. just, like, hanging out at Angel's. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I assume you're going to be crashing in my place tonight. Cause yeah, <laughs> I'm going home. I'll see you there. There's this closeness to them all. And, uh, they're, they're just barely surviving and they keep bringing in new members each time. And that's when we, I was going to say getting back to Holtz, but they needed, they felt like they needed him to be like the guy who can get the shot. Cause they're all amateurs and, also, they suspect that it's electrical, like it takes out electrical. So they, you know, M is like, I need, we need this guy. You know, she, she's, she identifies early on that he's somebody who'd be really helpful to the team. And he remembers her, your horse girl, you know, <laughs> I just your love all this little gruff. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he, but all of the scenes with him, like he's interesting, but also his shit is real cryptic, just like Angel says. Like, he said some yeah. cryptic shit and took his camera. Like, what does any of this mean? And he, he does that throughout the movie. There's this part where he's talking to uh, him on the phone, and he, he says, like, you're chasing this thing, the perfect... And, like, it didn't make any sense to me at all. Like, I'm like, is this supposed to mean something? <laughs> yeah, it's like, like what does what this that? guy know? I, I don't feel like know. he knows more than he's letting on. I feel like, where did you come from exactly? He's very unpredictable, and I, I like that about him. Yeah, you know, he like they they seemingly thought they had the shots that they wanted or need, and he's like, "It's the magic light," <laughs> like whatever he says. And I assume I only can assume he's talking about like that time of day when you get like the perfect lighting for a yeah. shot. Because then he's like, then he goes like mono a mono with it or whatever. Like yeah, he goes, he's like, he all pulls right, out his little doing now. Yeah. He abandons like the stationary camera and then like takes out his little small camera and he's like, but he looks back and he's like, it's going to be okay. You know, like, he just has this moment yeah. like, oh, well, I know you're going to die. It's like, oh, well, but, it's good. Good to know you for as long as we did. But it, it sets off this whole crazy sequence where, so he gets sucked up. Uh, Angel almost gets sucked up he looks at it like every time like they would just sit and gawk at it i'm like oh man you don't know the rules stop you know? looking at it. it yeah but then like the wind or whatever like blows this tarp around him and he goes like flying down like you know this dirt gravelly path yeah. and then he's getting wrapped up in barbed wire and but all that shit that happens ends up saving his life yeah you know but i love that he realizes it slowly like you know, the first time he survived was totally accidental. 
But then he begins to realize, like, maybe I should wrap this shit around me because it's coming back. Yeah. And sure enough, it does. Or, like, when it sees him and, you know, it flies after her. And I'm like, the, the one scene where it's the house was underneath, I kept thinking to myself, like, can it just, like, suck the, you know? Like, I was wondering to myself, like, does it just not have the ability to? But then right there, it's like, fuck that. It, like, sucks the roof. She pulls her out. She gets tossed, like, 10, 20 feet. Yeah, uh, like, you know, and then you had the TMZ guy who rides in like re- real weird how that all transpires. I, the the one the one thing I will say that I I, I mean, because it it did kind of help kick off that whole final aspect is like it's like, oh, my it gosh, agitated things. Yeah. yeah, here's a wrench in the gears. But I, I love oh, and they watch it. They're watching it happen. as yeah. it like unfolds <laughs> like, oh, he's going to he's there. It's going to he's dead. He's totally dead. Uh, but like, no way that guy lived. <laughs> I, what I, what I did because it was one of those things. Like it was one of the few times where I felt like there there's almost like this. It, it felt like the most intentional point where if Jordan Peele was going to comment on something, he's, that's he's what part. it felt like. That because it Phil, was like I I was if, thinking the same thing because he just keeps going. You don't you have a camera, man? Just take a picture. <laughs> well, and that the, felt the very whole, much like Jordan Peele's stance on like. Uh, paparazzi or something. Yeah, I was like, if the because like the the if the whole point of it is just don't look at it. It's like mm-hmm. the the message to the viewer is all of these things in life that we have that we f- we feel like we can collectively agree are are ugly or destructive or whatever. I was like, if you stop feeding into it, then it will go away. Like mm. you know, like if you say, oh. The reality TV shows, those are the worst. It's like if you stop watching them, they'll yeah. stop making them. But it's like they say, don't feed the troll. Yeah. The troll will go away eventually. And I teach that to my kids. Like, if you're getting bullied, just act like it doesn't bother you. Because, like, if you're not giving the bully what it needs, which is attention, yeah, then you will eventually frustrate that person, and they will move on to the next easy mark, right? Like, well, I'm not going to... I mean, I suppose some bullies could take it more personally. Like, you're gonna fucking acknowledge me, man. <laughs> well, and I'll kick your ass. It's, I mean, almost to a degree, just because of the circumstance. Like it, in the beginning, it, it, you know, like if you're following, it, you know, kind of follow that logic throughout the movie. It's like, it, wherever this thing came from, it was foreign at the beginning when whatever happened to Keith David. It was like, okay, it was yeah. around clearly, but it's like it stayed. Because Jupiter started giving it attention. Yeah. So like it would. No, no. Like it was like you said, it was getting a meal. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's not like it was having a hard time getting a meal, but at the same time, it's like, I can count on this meal at six o'clock. Yeah. It's like, okay, I don't need to go any, like, why would I put forth? (laughs) He's going to serve me up a steak. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, okay, if I know. Like, I might have to do a little bit. Big juicy stallion's going to come running right at me. Yeah. It's like, I mean, that's. So it, it is, I mean, in following that same logic, it's like, okay, if it knows it has an audience, if it knows it's going to be able to continue to feed off of whatever it needs, okay, it'll just stay here. And this is where yeah. it is. Like if you, but it's like once you upset that balance, which is interesting, that's what they did. It's like, okay, they upset that balance. Well, Jupe pushed it, right? He yeah. kept pushing it. Uh, at least I assume that's what, I mean, when you start pushing the, the limitations of things and bad things can happen. And all throughout the movie, there's this sort of buzz going on throughout Jupiter's claim. You know, they're on the phone, they're doing business. 
I'm sure they're probably trying to drum up or find ways to drum. Like they have this asset now that nobody else has and they're just doing their best to drum up interest. And I'm sure they were trying to get bigger and bigger crowds. At one point he even invites the neighbors over. He's like, Hey, you know, you should come check out whatever. And part of me wonders like, is he setting them up? <laughs> Does he know that jean jacket's going to suck them up? Cause that, it almost felt kind of threatening in a way, but maybe not. Maybe he was just trying to get the word out and get people. Because, I mean, right, if you're a showman, you don't want to kill your clients, right? You just well, you want them to live. You want them to come back for more, you know, more visits. Word of mouth. There was, um, do you remember the show? It was, it was part of SNCC. It was uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark? I definitely remember the show, but I don't remember really watching any of the shows. The, it was it was a staple in my childhood, and it was it was great because it was Saturday night. It was the last show in their block of TV, and so Snick, gr- growing up at yeah Snick, growing up in the Central Time Zone, it was from seven to nine on Saturday night. So eight thirty to nine, the the tail yeah. end of it um, was Are You Afraid of the Dark? And it was, it was spooky stories. I mean, it was the Midnight Society. Mm-hmm. They were telling ghost stories. That, well, it's like, it's like goosebumps, basically. Yeah, there was always was the impression that I got. There was always a twist at the end that was like, oh, that's kind of freaky. And so... Or like Tales from the Crypt, but like safe for, for kids, your kids yeah. to watch. Yeah. And so there was, there was one, there was one episode, I couldn't tell you the name of it, but this, yeah. this family moves into this new house and this kid is being terrorized by whatever's in the basement in this closet and it's scaring the crap out of him. It's, you know, it's taunt, it's messing with him. Um, and the, at the same time, this kid has this bully and long story short, what ends up happening is the kid lures the bully down into the basement and whatever's in this closet, whatever entity is there eats the bully and gives the kid mm-hmm. a bike. And so like the twist, the hook is that you keep feeding me, and I'll yeah. give you what you want. Right. So it's that, it's that same kind of eerie thing where it's like, you know, this. Yeah. it's not as, you know, not that same kind of, not a spoken contract kind of thing, but it's like. If, Will he if, continue to lure innocent bystanders if into If that was his... a part of the con, it's like <laughs> if his dream is to get back into Hollywood, he wants to be relevant yeah. again, Wants to he wants right. to have that fame. He wants to have everybody looking at him, you know. Yeah. What are the lengths that he'll go to to get that? What? How far See, will? But he I don't push? think it was fame. I think it's the money. I think he was just trying yeah. to make as much money as he could. Because if it were fame, he would immediately contact a news organization. That's true. But he would have discovered. He would have been credited for discovering it. And yeah, it would have bought him some more relevance. But yeah, I think instead the, they keeping it quiet enough. So, because we already know that there are people that in his within his reach who will pay really good money just to be around him. You know, <laughs> he has fans. The show has fans. So then, and then it starts to beg the question. If, if that's any part of his business, which one of them is the bigger monster? <laughs> exactly. Cause if he's doing it knowingly and yeah. he's, he's whatever he's doing, it was like okay if this if this entity is just I was here, wondering that I was wondering that I was like thinking is he inviting them knowing that yeah. there's a real good chance they will die yeah <laughs> okay all right so Very I'm thinking curious. he he's definitely the bad guy in this story and it's good that he died <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I only wish he didn't take all those innocent people with him yeah 
Including his own wife and kids. Yeah. By the way, we really skipped over that whole scene where his kids showed up in the in the barn. Oh yeah, with the mat. That got me. That That's really where got me. Creeped out. Yeah, I was like, I, yeah. I laughed because everybody jumped to that. Oh, everybody's all and he. You know, they really do say nope a lot in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> like, they do a lot. They really do more than they needed one to. There. I think more no, than they needed but, to. Really, truly. <laughs> like, all right, we get it. We get it. To to the point you were making a little bit ago, one of. Uh, and one of the ways that Jordan Peele really is because he's also such a skilled comedian as he really is yeah. um, really in is. understanding the juxtaposition between humor and fright. It does the, the oh, that humor yeah. cleanses they the They work perfectly together yeah. in the right amounts. Because when you're laughing, you're vulnerable to that fright. When you're, okay, I'm not scared anymore because I'm laughing. And then it opens you back up. It's like, okay, we can come back in here. It's like, oh, ah, okay. And no. you need to relax in order, because like you can't just, if you're just constantly making people tense. Yeah. Then you've, you're not really getting much, like you're, you're not peaking again. If you let them relax their muscles, then you do something crazy again. They got that, they got to, they suffer through the whole thing again. And I like that whole, it, it, it reminded me of paranormal activity in that way where you just, you, you, you learn as the movie viewer, like, okay, these are the times that are safe. I can relax now and enjoy myself a little bit, get to know these characters. And even though the movie was, a uh, is long, I don't think any of it's wasted. Like no. none of it. I wouldn't cut it. Any of it. I think any, all of it's great. Um, I, I really, I think the ending of the movie actually is really cool it uh it's it's real low like they're the stakes it's real traumatic but nobody's around it's not like they're in a big city they're in the middle of a desert it's just m on her electric bike and she does that great like akira slide thing yeah <laughs> which was so freaking cool uh i i understand that jordan peele was gonna make an akira movie he was supposed to but i guess it didn't work out so he got to do that Akira slide, very intentionally Akira slide. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Um, right. But it, it's the whole plan, you know, it's like she releases. It's a very simple plan and she just comes up with it right there in the spot. Yeah. You know, she she, you know, she she already armed with the knowledge of a string upsetting it. Um, and it's completely exposed, which, again, you know, the, the anatomy of this thing, I, I, to me, it's like naked and it's got that square piece and it kept doing that. Like, you know, it was like going boom, boom, yeah. boom to me, to me, it looked like the alien was jerking it right there. Like, I think it's a male <laughs> alien. He was like stroking it to the, like watching his prey and it's going boom, boom. <laughs> so she's, you know, it's chasing her. She, un she she gets the thing to go up into the sky, and then she finds that well, which in itself was a callback to an earlier scene. Yeah. And it's that, you know, like all of the high-tech shit that they, you know, were installing and everything, it was coming down to this little well camera that you just had to crank and hope that you get a shot. And, you know, she's she's just cranking it, seeing the balloon up in the air. The big It reminded me of, like, the big boy guy. But it's like supposed to be like little jupe, but yeah, to me it was like big boy, and it's it's floating up, and you know you know it's gonna take the bait. The monster's like flirting with it, you know it's like, mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's boom, boom, it's doing like its thing, 
and really enjoying itself, right? <laughs> Taking its time. Having a good old <laughs> Making time. Making eye contact and shit. Oh, yeah. Looking it in the eyes. And uh, she gets that one shot. Like, it finally attacks the balloon. She gets the, the overshot, which to me, I would look at that and I would go, that's bullshit. I and mean, you made that on your iPhone. I mean, that doesn't even look real. But whatever. <laughs> she gets the shot. And then it, you know, flies off. It's trying to digest it, but can't. And explodes? I don't understand that. Like, it kind of pops. <laughs> and again, I really want to understand, like, the anatomy. Like, what are its lungs? Like, what, like, what, where's its stomach? Like, how does it, does, does it just digest people? And then, the, like, the nutrients goes into its skin or some shit? Like, how does it work? Yeah, it. Someone needs to point me to, like, a Wikipedia page or something where, like, but it's the kind of, it's the kind of movie where like people could dedicate that kind of shit to it. Like, okay, here's the anatomy. I figured it out. I'm an expert in this type of anatomy. And to me, it looks like this is what it was inspired from. So this is probably how it did it. You know what I mean? Like there's people yeah. like, who will do that kind of work, but I want to know, like, why would it pop like that? Like what would cause it to explode? <laughs> but it was a satisfying conclusion because you know she sees it and she's like yeah <laughs> you know she kind of gives that like kind of she's so relieved that it's dead and then of course all the like all the media shows up right there <laughs> like that well, was kind of a yeah, corny that's the touch. way that it would go yeah yeah very corny you know they would have seen it if they had just gotten there five minutes earlier and um you know that that's kind of the end of the movie uh Angel Angel survives, right? Doesn't he? Yes. Or does he get eaten? No, he he gets sucked in again, but not. Only only antlers, I think. It's yeah, of, of the crew. Of the crew, he's the only. He definitively family. died. You know, you yeah. see his POV as he's getting lifted up, as he's still like cranking that camera. I guess. <laughs> I wouldn't be doing that, but it's Holtz. You know, that's 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 how antlers would do it. That, that total because well, total hardcore guy. That was that was the whole thing like that was just really interesting about like how his whole part of the story is kind of encapsulated in this. If you completely omit him, it doesn't change the story at all. Not at all. Mm -mm. I was like, I mean, he he's like, oh, look, he brought a camera. Angel Angel was like a guy who he he made a difference. Yes, he moved the he moved the needle. He was important. Antlers, although. That's what I'm confused. Did he not get the shot at all with the big camera? Or did that big camera get destroyed? Did it get sucked up too? Like, because that little nest, that little, like, hunting area that they were set up in. Yeah. It it gets, like, compromised, so it sees them. Um, but, like, I don't know. Like, was there not footage caught on the big it, camera? And then I, even, even Angel's, like, cranking it again at one point. When I walked away from it, it made me feel like the only... The only actual shot of it was that picture that comes sliding yeah. out of the well at the end. I think you're supposed to think that. Yeah. yeah. And so it was like the whole, because it, it kind of like the way that it, it kind of seemed to me is like, all right, if you take, you take these characters, you know, you, you've got OJ and you've got, um, you've got a sister and you, you mix them together and then that, that kind of gels. You're like, okay, you take these two colors and then, then you, and then you bring um, Angel in and he's kind of this catalyst that you know changes things up a little bit. But then, then that kind of that can. Well, he makes them a legitimate team. He's like, yeah, he, he makes he makes, a team. he makes them a team. 
And so the the one thing I will say about Antlers that was just kind of a fun little piece for the third act is like it's almost like okay if you have this you know if you, if you have this glass and you put some food coloring in and it was like okay we made the glass blue then you you add and that's OJ and then you add in the sister and she's yelling mix them up oh now we got green and then yeah then you add in um, Angel and he's a different color you mix it up it's like okay now we have purple and you know <laughs> but then like then you have this drop of like neon green neon yellow of antlers and he just sort of rests mm-hmm. at the top and it's like it yeah. doesn't it doesn't change the the makeup of everything but it's this really noticeable you know like okay this is a fun change to what's happening here and he just kind of exists. I'm very glad vacuum. Antlers is in the movie. I would not oh, yeah. say not have him in the yeah. movie. He was a definite welcome addition to the movie. It was uh, like he was but, a fun you know, little catalyst. But you do make a good act. point. If he had never showed up, they would have. No, it would have been. I mean, exactly maybe it wouldn't have gone down exactly the same way, but you know, probably similar. He for for him being eaten by it and taken away. You're like, it would be like, oh yeah, that Antlers guy was here, wasn't he? Yeah, it was like outside of that. It was like, like it was like the guy from the Suicide Squad, <laughs> Milton. Yeah, exactly. You're like Milton was here the whole time. He was a really nice guy, and he was helping us out. Yeah. <laughs> well, I thought he was back in the truck. <laughs> and Harley's like Milton, Milton, Milton. So, but anyway, so that that's that's my pick for the initial offering for Hall- our Halloween spooktacular, uh, spooktacular man. Um, at this point of the movie. So do you feel like, you know, after thinking about it some more and, you know, talking about it for the show, do you feel like you appreciate the movie more than you did when you first saw it? Or I uh, definitively do. I mean, like, cause yeah. legitimately I, I enjoyed it enough when I, like when I watched it, I was like, Oh, it was okay. Like I wasn't yeah. wowed by it. Um, right. But then like, in prepping for our show because i was i was still like i'm like you know I, i'm glad ron really likes this movie because like i don't feel like i'm gonna have a lot to add but like the, yeah. the more that i thought about it over the time and even as we've been talking like some of the things was like okay i'm like i hadn't planned on like i have get out and i have us on dvd and i was like i probably yeah. don't need to get nope but i'm like oh, man you know i think i need to get nope because i think i need to i'm gonna get it, it yeah it's I think the it's, kind of uh, go ahead no it's i mean i think it really is like it's worth subsequent watches because i feel like there's more to take away from it i do too the way that the movie is structured i feel like the more times you watch it the more you'll appreciate it because like yeah. you're shown these things it's a good payoff and in knowing the payoff it's kind of like the sixth sense where if you watch it knowing the payoff it's still really enjoyable yeah, uh, because you get to check the math, right? You get to make sure that the movie makers being fair and playing by the rules and largely they did. And that makes it it's like another layer of, of goodness that you just appreciate it only in a second viewing. Oh, yeah. And I think I'll watch this movie multiple times. Like I like I like it better than Get Out. I definitely liked it better than us. Um, I it's it's Jordan Peele's monster movie. We thought it was this is an alien movie. And and through a good, a small part of the movie, I was getting real strong signs vibe while watching. Oh it. yeah, like okay, now I'm pretty sure we're promised aliens, but could they really be aliens? You know, 
And then they're just like, no shit. Yeah, that's aliens. That's definitely aliens right there. When uh, when the praying mantis was on the camera, I just couldn't stop thinking. In my head, I kept hearing uh, Joaquin Phoenix, Vamanos, children, Vamanos. <laughs> yes. Uh, and I don't know why. But I feel like that movie, like everybody liked that movie when it came out. Now people want to feel like they want to shit on it some. Yeah, I don't think it's fair. I feel like people have definitely a right to dislike a lot of his middle movies, and they're they're retroactively trying to make the other movies feel also shitty. Like, yeah, oh, see, he was a hack. He was a hack all along. No, because you know, the Sixth Sense, Unbreakable, and Signs were all legit. Like, very um, strong. Yeah, it's like after that things started to. And I I liked the Village too. Like I saw the I saw it coming. But I thought it was really well executed, and I liked Joaquin Phoenix and uh, 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 Bryce uh, Dallas Howard were just great in it. And so was, who was the one that played, like, the... Was it William Hurt? Well, no, William Hurt was definitely in it, but um, was Adrian, Adrian Brody, was he the one that had, like, was kind of, like, mentally ill? Uh, he might have. It's, I think I saw it in theaters, and that was it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I you know, give it I, watch. I it's I liked it. I liked it. It. I, I mean, it it's nowhere nearly as offensive as the happening. The happening is about the most offensive oh, the thing yeah. I've ever seen. No, the happening. <laughs> That's, That's when I like completely was like, all right, I I've given up hope on M Night Shyamalan. He is definitely not. You That's, know, yeah. he's not as good as I thought he was. That's one of those movies. That but makes really, me angry. I think what the problem was, he painted himself into this like terrible situation where he kind of had to keep one-upping himself with these great plot twists even like the lady in the water i didn't think was bad but it definitely wasn't memorable in the way that his early movies were well i know he pigeoned him hold himself i mean that was that was the thing is like everybody yeah. knew like even his newer stuff it still has to have because uh, i i haven't watched old yet but i haven't I've, either no i've talked to people who have like oh don't waste your time it's horrible and so yeah. it's like, I kind of got a feeling. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought, uh, I forget what it was that he did that was like, seemed like it might've, he might've had another go around, but it's like, if, if he did, it just, yeah, I liked split split was actually, it was one of those movies where people were like, Oh, he's back. He's back. This, this was good. And on, you know, some people like the one where it was like the grandparents and I, I actually thought that was okay. <laughs> the <too>. visit. <laughs> I can't, yeah. Yeah. I can't that watch that without like laughing a, the whole time. <laughs> Well, that's how I watch the half. Because I know, because I know the diaper scene's coming. I always know the diaper scene's coming. <laughs> just smushes like, it in his face. I'm like, the, just the, like because they have to introduce it at first, and there's a whole yeah. barn full of diapers. <laughs> oh, and I was like, God. so it's like, okay, so we got that on the front end, and it's like, so it's I, in, the, it's in the back of your brain. <laughs> I know at some point he's gonna shove a diaper in that kid's face, <laughs> and I hate the kid because he raps and he's so pointless. Oh, his rapping, he definitely oh, deserves it's... shit in his face. <laughs> I was like, oh, so happy. He's with every little it. annoying white kid you've ever wanted to smash feces in their face. And I mean, it was when I was like, it was at the point where like I was. I was tired of found footage stuff, so I was like, I'm kind of over this. I was like, oh, another found footage thing, and it's in my Shyamalan, and I'm like, huh. and I was like, and then there's the diaper, and I was like, oh my gosh, that was so amazing. I was like, I can't <laughs> sit here and watch this movie again, because it was just absolute garbage. <laughs> But I'm like the he the diaper in the kid's face, like oh, that's so. Good. You can always 
you can always just YouTube that scene. <laughs> you yes. can always watch it like that out of like, context. And, and it, it was show like, that to somebody out of context. It'd be really funny. <laughs> I, I, I was really bummed. Check out this me. new scene from this M. Night Shyamalan movie. Yeah, I was like, I like the. It, it makes like there there was a there was a Saturday Night Live sketch with Chris Elliott and Jeff Daniels. It was way back in the nineties. It was right after Dumb and Dumber came out. And Chris Elliott was hosting like this this movie talk show where he's interviewing Jeff Daniels as an actor, Jeff Daniels, and he's he's talking about all these things Jeff Daniels done. And he's like, I think we have a clip of that. And they just keep going back to the Dumb and Dumber clip where he has diarrhea, <laughs> and Jeff Daniels just keeps getting progressively more. Oh my and more god, upset. that feels like a Chris Elliott thing to do. And sure. then the the it's great because the final one. I mean, is like, it's the Paul Rudd joke too. If you think, oh it's yeah, like the whole Mac and me joke. The, fi- the final <laughs> part of the sketch is, so we, I heard you've been working on a new script for such and such. It's like, yeah, and he's talking. It was like, it's it's about halfway done. I was like, I think we have a clip from it. It's like, you can't have a clip. It's still just a script. <laughs> and they play the, the Dumb and Dumber clip again. And it's, I was you like, can't have a clip. Uh, it, like, that's, uh. that's to me, it's like. I would love it. Oh, it's hilarious. You just took every one of M. Night Shyamalan's movies, and at some point, whatever is like, oh, it's signs like, oh, the alien's here. And then just like, oh, shitty diaper at the face. <laughs> and it's like, oh, this is the greatest I want, thing. I want the creepy, naked, smiling guy from Hereditary oh. to smush a kid with a diaper. <laughs> if he pushed the shit diaper in that kid's face, my head would explode. Like, this is the greatest thing ever. <laughs> Yeah, the creepy can't. naked guy from Hereditary is shoving a dirty <laughs> diaper in the rapping kid's face. Like, nope, I'm. I can, that was it. That was all I needed to see. Oh my god, I want that so bad. Oh, all right. So this is this is. Uh, well, I'm glad. I'm glad you you have a more of appreciation yes. for it after. I'm after glad we did this. I'm one glad. I'm really glad. I, I knew I was taking a chance on a new movie because that's just not usually our mo. We like to pick some more classic movies. It was fun though. I'm or, glad we should do that more often. I, yeah, I agree because you know uh, they can't all be classics, and sometimes you can just like pick apart a movie if you just really hate yeah. it and want to. <laughs> but oh I, yeah, I happen to really enjoy this movie, and I thought, you know what? Uh, I was wanting to find some things to kick like to do for uh, our spooktacular season, and it's like, man, there's all these good movies I want to talk about, but I want to introduce something that like just isn't in all the lists right now that you see online. Like, yeah, you know, 20 scariest movies. Like it's still new enough to kind of be, you know, under the radar still. For yeah. Some. So, I mean, you know, my hope is you guys are listening to this still. Thank you for starters. You're a real champ. You're a real champ for hanging in there. all this Oh time. yeah. But I hope, I hope you haven't seen it. You really are like compelled to go watch it now. Like you just can't wait to watch it. And, and pick up on some of the same things that we picked up on, but also maybe you get some new stuff out of it. Because it Absolutely. feels like it could be one of those movies. Um, so, anyway, uh, that was my pick. I think it's a good first good first go. And this is the part of the show where we typically tease what our next movie is going to be. Um, so, I, I will uh, let you make the announcement for that. Uh, my first pick for the Spooktacular is going to be your next. Uh, okay. I haven't seen that, so this will be interesting. It's a, uh, I just recently oh no saw wait from- wait no 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 I did see that one. It's the strangers that I haven't seen. Yeah, I've seen is, your next once. It, I just saw it recently for the first time a few weeks ago, and mm-hmm. absolutely loved it. And so I was like, okay, this oh, wow, is an okay. easy pick for me. Right on. What in what year was that released? Do you know, uh, 
sometime after 2000. Fair enough. <laughs> sometime <laughs> in the last 22 years. <laughs> Somewhere. That's pretty good. Uh, yeah. In, boy, oh boy. Way to take a stand there. Uh, <laughs> I, I really like to, you know, narrow it down for people. Sometime like, in the history of everything, it came out. <laughs> it came out. I will tell you. Here's what I'll tell you. I'll narrow it down yeah. even further. In okay. 2011, Ooh, which does also qualifies right, yeah. after 2000, but it was in the calendar year of 2011. Mm. See, I the 2000 thing was all I really needed to know, but that, that little this bit really of knowledge, points. it helps me savor it just a bit more. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, 2011. I, I, that's a good year. Always. I mean, <laughs> if I mean, if you want, if you really want to get specific, um, we we can, um, because it was. Uh, but I'm not going to because I don't have the information that I was going to be more specific. <laughs> it says it's to the well because now I'm sitting here. It's like it says it's a 2011 film. Um, but it says it wasn't released until August of 2013. Oh, Release wow. Date. It sat on a shelf for that long? Release date, August 23rd, 2013. So, wow. uh, I thought I was being clever. No confidence in that movie. Did, well, did somebody, did somebody pop like a famous, like one of the actors in the movie? Did they get suddenly I more like who, so. who stars in it? Okay. Because sometimes that'll happen too. Because like, I oh, actually, don't we own that movie with that that piece of shit movie? But they're in it now, so like we should release like, this. Oh, we should totally release this now. It's like now because I think like the yeah the 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 one girl that I really like uh, has not really been in anything for several years, and mm. yeah, um, hmm. she was at Blue Crush too, just as a teaser. If you're like, oh, I yeah. mean, Blue Crush Two is always batted viewers, around amongst so movie fans about one of the blue crush one of the Kate best Bosworth sequels <laughs> that you stuck around for the sequel you're like oh did she play tara in blue crush 2 why yes she did the <laughs> Speaking uh, of kate bosworth what the fuck happened to kate bosworth i remember a time not that long ago when it seemed like she was going to be in everything because she was like in everything for a couple of years and i cannot think of anything she's been in since superman <laughs> i don't know what she's been in she oddly and enough, i'm not talking actually, the henry cavill i'm talking about like the brandon ross superman <laughs> she uh she is in and i i've heard lots of people say really 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 spectacular things about this new movie uh barbarian that's in theaters now um, barbarian yeah i mean i've heard lots of people talk it was like it's crazy it's really good. You should go see it. But like everybody's saying like, they're like, I had never seen a trailer for it. Um, and mm. I didn't watch one going into it. And that's how you should go see it. I, Cause I've thought right. about going to see it, but I haven't. It's a horror movie. That's uh, literally came out a few weeks ago. You really should know as little as possible going into a horror movie. I think, I mean, yeah, almost all of my favorite horror movie experiences are of me going, Oh, I just went into that with no expectations whatsoever. And I mean, if you can, that's the way to do it. <laughs> yeah. Because they always show you the scariest parts in the trailer anyway. So they, just and they, stop and watching that. They give you too much. Because uh, that was one of the things, too, Nope's credit, I think. They're getting too desperate nowadays. <laughs> yeah. They're, from from the credits, like, 
or from the the previews for Nope. I think because I think there was like a third, like one of the final ones was more revealing than it. I think it should have been, but like the, especially yeah. the tease. Like, I know the teaser was like. I mean, when the teaser came out, I was like, I have no idea what this is about. Oh yeah, like, that nope. first teaser like, gave you nothing. Yeah, the like, scariest okay. thing about it was was the girl who got mauled by the by Gordy. <laughs> yeah, you're like, uh, okay, I have no idea what this is about, so I'm a little bit intrigued. It's like, okay, that's what here's a scene to do. where the guy from Get Out's riding a horse, and he's yeah. clearly getting chased by something, but they're it's not showing it to, to me. So. It's supposed to pique your curiosity, so you go see it. Yeah. Not, oh yeah, I yep. watched the the two and a half minute version in the trailer. I don't need to go see the movie. No, exactly. It's it's a it's a real shoot yourself in the foot move, if you ask me. Yes. All right, man. So that means let's awkwardly close out this podcast. Oh man, let's let's have another one of those patented awkward endings yeah. to a show brought to you by the Rental King, Ron Avis, and Adam I'm, Peterson. I think I'm gonna. I think I'm going to make it out of this time, though. I think I'm going to be able no. to get through the end of the show I'm, while there's still music I'm, to I'm fade down. I'm going to do my darndest to make sure that something... No, I, no, no. You can't. You hey, can't look at what's that over there. Me. Is the what? music still Where? going? Uh, no. God, I told still you going. that wasn't going to work. No, I'm going to I'm gonna fade down, okay? Just let me focus on the All fade right. down, and I'm going to do that. But before I do that, I once again want to thank all of the listeners... All two of you that made it to this point. <laughs> yes. And we're going to really we're going to have some more fun. We're going to we're going to reveal shows as they come. You don't have any idea what kind of special guests we're going to have. We might have a special guest, we might not. Yeah. That's just how we roll. Sometimes we have other people on the show and we might again. That's all I'm going to say. But for the Cinemasters, myself, Ron Avis the Rental King and Adam and Peterson. You know what I just realized? What? I edited. I cut together a long version of the outro so I wouldn't get fucked. <laughs> and now I've been playing along with this bit and it's looping. And I'm now realizing yes, I could carry this on for as long as I want. <laughs> Let's go for another couple hours. Let's just continue. Let's start a breakdown of us and Let's get just out. No, no. Let's just start your next podcast. Right Here we now. are. Welcome back <laughs> Let's to just start it. a new Let's just get a, oh, episode. Oh no. oh, no. I messed up. Oh, shit. Did it cut out? It cut out. Is it over? And that's all I want you to end the show, Adam. I want it to end just like that.